on air on Fan for Racing Radio. This is Monday night, September the 26th, and our show tonight is our Texas NASCAR Race Review, along with Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, we are going to start during this first half hour talking about some short track news around the country, and uh, we'll follow that up with some updates from the Arca Menards, Arca East, and Arca West series. Then we have our media interview with Scott Miller, the NASCAR Senior Vice President of Competition regarding tire issues at Texas Motor Speedway. After that, we'll update the NASCAR Truck Series. They're off track this weekend, but they will be back on track at Talladega next weekend. And finally, in our last half hour tonight uh, for the preview show, a review show, we are going to talk about the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series playoff races at the 1.5-mile track of Texas Motor Speedway. And finally, we'll have our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off conversation with our Fan for Racing crew. And joining us for tonight's show is our co-host for tonight, uh, and that is Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Okay. Uh, we're going to move forward now with some short track news. And um, let me kind of go to my notes here that I sent you earlier. Uh, there's a lot that happened over this past weekend uh, on the short track news uh, scene. As far as dirt, Brad Sweet extended the, his World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series championship lead with a dominant outing at Sharon Speedway this weekend. And that's from the theworldofoutlaws.com. Uh so Brad Sweet continues to uh, do very well there in the world of outlaws. Yeah, he does. He's always been good on on dirt. That's his specialty. Um, I don't know what happened to my team's thing. It uh, it kicked me completely out, and now I can't get to it. And I was on it earlier. Hmm. I'm not sure what happened there, Sal. Uh, I'll go ahead and read the other things here then, and then you can uh, just respond. We've got, uh, that came one day after Rico Abreu's first outlaw win in four years came at Eldora Speedway this weekend, again, from worldofoutlaws.com. So it was a pretty big event there. So Rico Abreu, Brad Sweet, <laughs> uh, all doing well there in that series. Let me try to go. You're, are you on floor or Race in America? I'm on team right now, the Teams app. Tyler Courtney took the All-Star Circuit of Champions portion of the Eldora Four Crown Nationals. Uh, so that's from the AllStarSprint.com. And then fellow NOS Energy sponsored driver Justin Grant claimed the USAC National Sprint Car portion of the night for his. 50th USAC Triumph. That is huge. That's from uh, USAC Media. And Logan Seavey took his second USAC Silver Crown win at the same track. Then Ryan Gustin claimed a big World of Outlaws late model series win at Stateliness Speedway in the last lap pass from the theworldofoutlaws.com. On the short track scene, Stephen Nassie claimed the Southern Super Series finale as Hunter Robbins won 
the championship that is from Racing America. And then Jackson Boone took his first prolate model victory outside of Nashville at Five Flag Speedway, also from Racing America. After a procedural yeah, that was race, a good race. Did you watch it? I got it? a chance to watch that one. Yeah, I watched it. Oh, good. I watched it After because we had three drivers from, from out here from California that were oh, racing the okay. prolate. And then we, as a matter of fact, Sean, um, Sean, uh, um, Sean Hingarani, who was our guest, he yeah. raced in the he raced in the pro late but never qualified. Hit the wall, so he crashed his car. But he did race oh. in the super late race, which is the one that Stephen Nassie won. That was a really good race. I mean, if, if for those of you that, that got to watch it, I know you guys seen one heck of a, of a race right there. Um, Nassie yeah. came all the way from like third or fourth to win the race, and he wow. uh, caught Bubba. He got Bubba Pollard with like, and they have a they have a, a bad reputation for each other. But um, he uh, raced him clean and got by him with, like, 20 to go. And so it was a really good, really super good race to watch. Okay. And then also a question here from Matt Weaver. After a procedural race for a late model stock field, does Martinsville Speedway need a traction compound? So uh, you can read more about that over at Racing America as well. So um, just uh, some notes that I get, uh, you know, from um, – Oh, Motorsports Media or somewhere. I, I forget the name of it, but uh, Aaron Bearden, who used to be a part of our group here, uh, he sends out a, a newsletter throughout the week, and that's some of the notes from his newsletter. So uh, it captures quite a bit. Okay, so uh, anything that you – any other uh, racing that you wanted to talk about uh no, that's it. I mean, we're not doing anything until I'm not doing anything until this weekend. Um, all our all my series were um, were quiet this weekend, so it was a quiet weekend to just take care of things around around here around the house. But um, but I was able to watch okay. the the, um, the the two races from Five Flag Friday and Saturday night, which was really super good. Okay. Well, I will say. Jay and I talked about uh, a little bit of controversy between Peyton Sellers and Lane Riggs, who won his uh, weekly touring series national championship. There was a little controversy around that. Well, Peyton Sellers came back and he conquered Martinsville 300 uh, this weekend, so uh, that had to be a little bit of redemption for him. Yeah, it took him forever to find to pick the um, not pick, but to figure out who was going to be the national champion. I still don't know if, if there was ever one, but but I know it was like it was like they're already like two days in, and yeah. I was wow. Well, you That's know, you know by now you know they should. Have, yeah, they, they should have. They did an audit, and it took them some time to take care of that. It took them forever to do it, but I I don't know. I guess they finally got it now. Yeah, and Lane Riggs ended up being the champion. Uh, but that meant that Peyton Sellers came in second. So he was he felt like going into the race that he knew what he needed in order to win the championship. And then he felt like everything changed after the race, and uh, they did that audit. He said he didn't understand why they couldn't have done that audit before the race so that everybody knows what's going on coming into it. 
and I, I have to agree to a certain extent there. Um, but na- I think NASCAR did the right thing by doing the audit. I just think they should have done it sooner. Yeah, but I mean, they've 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 done that in the past, so it's you know. Yeah, you know, it's they, happened uh, before. Yeah, matter of fact, it happened the year that Trevor Huddleston finished. Uh, they ended up finding out that Trevor finished like two or three points behind. And we haven't had no one on the West Coast all the way back. Gosh, almost going back to, I think, David Gillen or, or one of those drivers since way back then that, that mm-hmm. have won the national championship from the West Coast. But they, they had to do an audit when the year that, that Trevor was uh, was in the running for it. He fell like two or three points behind. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's disappointing when things like that happen. But uh, the, I guess controversy has kind of been a stalwart within that org- within the NASCAR Weekly Touring Series. I, I wish they would look at it and see what they can do to kind of avoid the controversy. Uh, because when there's controversy like that, I think it's, it gives them a little bit of a black eye. Um, they need to. I think those audits could be done earlier rather than later so that everybody knows what they need going into those final races of the season. You know, it, and and it's it's a complicated um it's a complicated uh formula system. they use cuz we 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 yeah, cuz we 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 try to the year that Trevor was running for it, he ran a bunch of races. We were trying to figure out how they and it was just it's I it's, guess it has to be a full field. If it's not a full field, see, part of the controversy was that there were two races in that finale, and uh, yeah. Lane Riggs felt that if he did not race the second race, it wouldn't be a full field, and so any any advantage anybody might gain in that second race uh, would not hurt him and his chances at winning the championship. So he, he opted out of the race, and so it left it without well, a full field. And that's the kind of yeah, well, games that they're playing with that. Well, they, they, it's been going on for years because, like, out mm-hmm. here, um, we would have, like, a 12-car field, and, and then Tim would put, like, seven or eight um, uh, super stocks mm-hmm. into the race to fill the field, you know, and, and they did that back east, too. They're, they're doing it. Everybody, that, that's been the thing yep. that's been going on for years is that is that the cars need to be tech. As a as a late model, you know, mm-hmm. and, and 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 there was pictures of Tim with with pro with uh, super stocks. The same thing back east when uh, gosh, I can't remember who had won it, but they had pictures. Tim and them had pictures of them too, and then they found out that the tracks were allowing you know them to bring in. They even brought in um, these little imports that they they that we call the enduro cars. And they try to count the enduro cars as part of the field to, you know, to fill the field because depending on how many cars are in the field, uh, then they take their best so many races and all that. And that's how I did the formula. But it, it, it's a mess. I mean, it, 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 and yeah, they need seriously, to review Sharon, that it's a joke. A, it's a joke. Yeah. It is a joke. Yeah, it is a, it's a sneaking joke. They need to review that and come up with a better program. I'm not sure what the answer is. Uh, but it seems like there's a lot of manipulation that can happen uh, that can hurt one driver and help another. And they use it because they're working within the rules that are currently set. So I do think that NASCAR needs to change those rules 
and um, if they're going to do an audit, do the audit before that last race so that everybody knows what they're dealing with going into the last race of the season. Exactly. So, okay. Um, and then over at Flow Racing, they have a lot of the replays from the weekend. So, And same thing at um, Racing America. If you miss some races, a lot of times you can catch the replay of that race uh, and go back and watch it. I know Eldora put on a lot of really good racing this past weekend, uh, and uh, they've got all kinds of racing uh, that happened that you can catch through those replays. And then look ahead to see what races are coming up for the following week. Uh, there's never a shortage of racing to be watched at Flow Racing, at uh, Racing America, or even Mad TV. And guess what, Sal? I'm so happy. My TV service has brought Mad TV onto our our schedule, so I now have Mad TV uh, where I can watch some of the racing. That's that's neat because there's you know they they show a lot of you know a lot of race old races and stuff like that, you know mm-hmm. uh, you know along with some of the newer ones, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know what they 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 do show they do show a lot of the old ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad to have it back. I had it before. And then they took it off uh, of that service, and then I switched services, and they didn't have it. But now they do, so I'm really happy to have it back. If you want to know about rankings as well, they, at uh, Flow Racing, uh, they've got all the different uh, series, and you can look at what the rankings are for those different series as well. So uh, that's another feature that's really good. You can see the results of the races. You can see the schedule of what's coming up. Uh, they really do a good job uh, at both of those websites. Yeah, they do. They okay. do a job on those websites. Okay. Now, Sal, I know uh, we're just giving some updates in the Arkham Menard series. So after we do those updates, what I think I'm going to do is you and I will do a setup uh, before the Scott Miller interview of some things that happened this weekend. We'll listen to the interview, which is a little more than five minutes, and then you and I will have our commentary after that, okay? Okay. All right. Uh, the next race for the Arkham Menard series is going to be the Earth Snacks 200 uh, on October 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern Time at Salem Speedway, and that will be televised on MAV TV. The Arca East has completed their series. Sammy Smith is the champion, and there will be no more Arca East races this season. But the Arca West is still in action. Their next race is also on October 1st. That race is at 6.45 p.m. Pacific Time. That would be 9.45 Eastern Time at All-American Speedway, and that will be available via Flow Racing, uh, and you'll be able to see that live streaming. And then also the Sioux Chief Showdown is done. So Sammy Smith was the champion there as well. So really there's just the two series that are still racing uh, and uh, I think both of them, I think one has two races left and the other has three races left. So uh, there's still a little more racing to go here in the Arkham Menard series. It uh, just won't be at the fast pace that we're accustomed to seeing over the summer. They slow down a little bit during the fall. 
Yeah, the Arkham Menards has uh, we got this one, and then we have one on the I think it's the 14th in Vegas, and then the, and then they have their championship race at uh at um uh, Phoenix. Yes, and I for, know you and I are both in the Vegas race. Yeah, um, and then after that, then they then they got the championship race at um at Phoenix. Phoenix, yes, yes. So uh, definitely looking forward to whatever racing we have left. There's always radio coverage available at ArcaRacing.com, and they always have some great articles over at ArcaRacing.com as well. Uh, so I know Menards Fan Fest is going to take place at Toledo Speedway with a past champion celebration. So that's something to read up on as well. And uh, that, especially if you're going to be out there at Toledo uh, for the races that are taking place there. And I believe that's going to be their season finale, the Arkham Menard Series, at Toledo Speedway this year. So uh, something to, to look at there. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and talk about some of the things that happened this weekend. Did you did you catch the Cup Series race this weekend? Yeah, I caught the. I watched it. I watched it today. <clears throat> then um, watched the replay of it today because I was we're out of we're um, busy on uh, yesterday. Okay. Well, there were a couple of incidents that happened. One between. One was between, uh, and I've heard a lot about this one, uh, Denny Hamlin and, um, shoot, now I can't remember, I remember the other driver's William name. Byron. William Byron. William Byron, thank you. Between uh, Denny Hamlin and William <laughs> Byron, uh, where they were doing a lot of back and forth. Well, during the caution, uh, William Byron hit... Denny Hamlin in the back of his car and sent him into the infield. Uh, NASCAR said that they missed that because they were looking at another incident that brought out the caution and didn't catch the incident between the two drivers. So what they said they were going to do is go back and review what took place there, and there could still be a penalty assessed this week. So they usually come out with those kind of penalties on Tuesday or Wednesday. So that's something for everybody to watch for. Uh, And then also there's another incident that happened, and uh, this one was between Ty Gibbs and Ty Dillon on Pitt Road. And I guess Ty Dillon was coming out of his pit box. He got a little close to Ty Gibbs, and Ty Gibbs (laughs) – just took a turn straight back into his door and hit Ty Dillon. And what was bad about that is there were people working on pit road and he could have bumped that car into those people very easily if you watch the video. So there's a couple of incidents that I know NASCAR is going to take a look at. And um, those two incidents in particular are just not acceptable uh, based on previous things that have happened within NASCAR. And so I kind of fully expect some penalties to come out this week in, on both of those cases. Um, so, you know, but, but, but you know, real, yeah, yeah, real quick ahead. on the Ty Gibbs incident, we've seen that. We've seen Noah Gregson do the same thing last year and they didn't do nothing to him. 
Really? Remember on pit road when he when he, yeah when he he ran he 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 came in and and then he backed up and and ran. Gosh, I can't remember who it was. They're working on his car. It was one of the guys he had an incident with them. He just had an incident on the track and he backed up into him and he says, "Oh, I didn't see." Oh, it. I do remember he that. He back there. Yeah, remember in NASCAR just they well, I the bet. actually just let it go. Yeah, I bet they brought him in and talked to him though, and I bet uh, Dale Jr. The Junior Motorsports Organization sat him down and talked to him after that as well. I I never think that using your car as a weapon should be acceptable, especially where other people are involved. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, that was those were two of the things that happened, and the reason why they talked to – Scott Miller, he's the, he's the senior vice president of competition at NASCAR. But there was also all of the issues with the tires uh, this week and so and last week. Uh, but there were some more issues this week. Uh, and so he kind of addresses that as well uh, in this interview that we have coming up. And like I say, it's about a little more than five minutes uh, but before before he talks about that, I wanted to get your thoughts about the tire issues too, Sal. This weekend. Yeah, you know what? Every every three four years we have issues with with um with the tires with uh with NASCAR, you know. So I mean, it's not it's not it shouldn't be anything new, you know. If the fans, you know, should you know be re- you know raving about, you know, I mean, you know, uh, especially with this new car, you know what I mean. What, once again, you know what? I don't think it was fully developed. It was right. ready to go. They, I think they should have tested the car on every track. You know what? With the with, and, and and they know especially, especially with the tire compound because that's where the with the tires because that's the first thing you're gonna have, well, one of the first things you're gonna have issues with with the tires. You know, yep. but but then it, but then it's kind of hard to test because how do you test in the heat? You test in the cold. You know, you don't know what the weather's going to be like in Texas, not like it was this past weekend. But, um, yeah, I was just going to bring you know, that. Really, it was really yeah. hot in Texas this weekend. Yeah. And the tire compound really did not work. It, it, people were slipping and sliding all over the place. Yeah, and, I mean, you, it's, it's – I mean, NASCAR's in a catch-22 situation with that. You know, yep. they, you know, they, uh, they, they rely on, they, they rely heavily on, um, you know, on Goodyear, you know, to do what they have to do, you know, as far as making the, you know, as far as making the right call, you know, on, on the, on making sure they got that we have the right tires. So, exactly. Um, and I you know, know Goodyear was down there and the NASCAR officials were down there looking at every single tire, uh, that was coming off of those cars and trying to determine what was going on. Exactly. So I mean, you know what? It, it's just, you know what? It, good thing. Good thing it wasn't at all, at all the tracks and just you know, you know, a couple of races. You know. So I mean, yeah. You know, they'll they'll work they'll work through it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to work through well, it. You know what? Which will be a good thing. You know. Exactly. Scott Miller brings up a good point on here as well in this interview, and they talked about it in the booth as well that there could be – not everybody had issues with their tires. They mentioned that some of the teams were being very conservative with their tires, and not everybody had those issues. But there were others that did have those issues. And, well, I'll let 
Scott Miller talk about it. So uh, you know what? We'll go and, ahead. And, and 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 exactly. You know, and just real quick, just real mm-hmm. quick. You know, and and a lot of it is the um, uh, a lot of it is the um, is the aggressive setups that they use. You know, as far as yes. you know their their setups. I mean, so you know that that makes a huge difference too. You know. You know how aggressive they go on the setup. You know as to how they're going to burn their tires out, but you know yes, that's um, that is so true. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and pull up this interview. It is five minutes thirty six seconds long, so we'll be able to listen to the whole thing now. Um, well, actually, uh, I, I hesitate to play it now only because we've advertised it coming on at nine o'clock. So. Um, is there anything else about the race that you want to kind of bring up before we we play this? No, that was that was it. I mean, I just think that that whole with all the technology we have, you know, you there's I'm sorry, there's no way no way you're going to miss a driver hitting a driver especially during a yellow cuz they're not even at full speed. They're they're going whatever the pace lap speed is, 50 55 miles an hour. You know what? There is no way you can. How can you miss it when, especially when you're talking about when you're talking about two drivers that are that are that are in the chase and 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 the cameras are focused on the drivers that well, are in the chase. Scott Miller addresses so you that. He addresses you that in his interview it. and some of the things that they're looking at possibly doing uh, in the future to kind of not miss those kind of things for the future. And if they do need to go back and review, uh, how they can have the review um, be better with uh, – but anyway, I'll let him address it in his in his interview. I don't want to give away everything from the interview. And I know a lot of people have already listened to it, but for those people that may not have heard that interview yet, I don't want to take too much away from it. But I'll just say he does address that uh, in in this okay. interview. Okay. Um, but I know a lot of people are asking that question, how could they have missed it? And I think they were just focused on the Truex incident because that's what brought out the caution. Uh, and it was after that caution was called, and they were reviewing everything with regard to Truex, and they just didn't see it. So, um, and you'll hear him talk about that in this interview. Um, but I, I, one thing that I've said about the next-gen car is that they knew coming into this season that it was not in its perfected uh, image yet. They knew that this was going to be a work in progress throughout the season and that uh, that's the reason they set up uh, the communication between the teams, the manufacturers, and NASCAR with just about every decision that's been made. And uh, they they meet on a weekly basis to review what's happened in the previous week or talk about any concerns of the upcoming week uh, to see what they can do to make things better. Unfortunately, some of these things can't just be changed on a dime. Uh, they have to be, um, again, you know, they have to, to look at what can be done. Some things can be changed, but not everything can be changed right away. So we'll see what happens, and um, 
Uh, we've got his interview coming up. I guess we're two minutes in. So I'm going to go ahead and start the interview, and uh, we'll hear what Scott Miller. Again, he's the Senior Vice President of Competition at NASCAR. And uh, when something happens during a race, what happens is the media will ask for an explanation from NASCAR. So then they come and they get, they are available for questions uh, so that uh, any questions from the media can be addressed uh, by, directly by NASCAR and Scott Miller. So here we go. We'll go ahead and hear what they have to say. Talk about what you saw today. There's a lot of questions about what happened with the tires. Well, I mean, obviously we saw a lot of tire problems, and we saw a lot of teams that didn't have tire problems. And, you know, we're working <clears throat> working through that. Goodyear's working through that with the teams and, you know, working through what the setups were, what the air pressures were, to try to try to get to the bottom of it. But, you know, there was a lot of teams that reported no problems to us post-race, and, you know, and they did admit to being a little bit on the conservative side, uh, air pressure, and being closer to uh, the, su- the suggested uh, minimums that could you recommended. Scott, uh, did you guys consider penalizing William Byron for tapping Denny Hamlin there under caution? And if, if so, what, kind of, what were the discussions and why the ultimate decision not to penalize? So uh, I'll have to be honest with you, Bob. When we were in the tower, we were paying more attention to the actual cause of the caution. Uh, up there and dispatching our equipment. Uh, the William Byron, Denny Hamlin thing, we had no eyes on. We saw Denny go through the grass, and by the time we got to uh, a replay that showed the incident well enough to do anything to it, we'd gone back to green, but um, I'm not sure that um, that issue is completely resolved as of yet. So we'll be looking at uh, we'll be looking at that when we get back to back to work. Uh, we, we're going to work through those things, Bob. On the tires, uh, this is the same tire we're going to use in Las Vegas. Are you guys going to talk to the teams of the Goodyear to kind of figure out maybe uh, if there's similar issues there and try to avoid that? Um, yeah, I, that's what I said. Goodyear is working with the teams about the, uh, you know, on their setups and everything else to try to, you know, to try to mitigate the problems that we that we're certainly seeing. You know, we're all. You know, we're all learning about the setups, the tires. Goodyear's learning about the construction, the new wheel. So, it, it you know, it's part of a learning. It's an unfortunate part of a learning uh, learning process. But as I said earlier, the ones that uh, didn't have any problems admitted to being on the conservative side with uh, with all the things that are that are difficult on tires. They make speed, but they're difficult on tires. Scott, some of the teams said if they were the conservative teams said that they're still. Uh, an amount of laps that a tire should last, right? How long should the tires last? Is this some sort of, you know, they didn't have enough tire today? Uh, I, I don't really know how to comment on how long a tire should last. The ones that, the ones, the top four at least ran uh, 64 laps, you know, home. And, you know, if they can go 64 laps, they have, you know, plenty of tires to get the job done. Um, in reference to the Hamlin virus, <coughs> Could you have put uh, Hamlin back in his position? Had you seen it soon enough? Would that have been what you guys would have done? So, so there would probably, you know, if we had seen that good enough to react to it real time, which which we should have, like no excuse there, um, there would probably have been two courses of action. One would have been to put Hamlin back where he was, or the other would be to have um, made Williams start in the back. So 
moving forward because this is a situation that impacts a couple playoff drivers and, and could impact their playoffs that you guys have talked about in the in the tower of, of making some changes when there have been issues like here, having the committee with cautions after the all-star race. What, what more can you do to try to be better or, or try not to try to avoid a situation like this where you're able to see something, especially with it being a playoff race and so much at stake? Well, so we, we don't have, we don't have the cameras, cameras and the monitors that we've got. We dedicate them mostly to officiating and uh, seeing like our safety vehicles and how to dispatch them and all that. And by the time we put all those cameras up, we don't have room for all of the in-car cameras to be monitored. So we're going to look at having, you know, because if we would have had access, immediate access to the 24 in-car camera, that would have helped us a lot with, uh, you know, being able to find that quickly. So that's definitely one of the things that we're looking at. What about the race? Obviously, uh, a lot of caution. What about the track itself and, and the things that uh, have been you know, talked about? Reconfiguration, rebuild the track. Your thoughts on that after today's race? Well, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think the general consensus, and this just isn't my opinion, is this has been a difficult, uh, it's been a difficult track to race on for a while now. So um, what the plans are for it or anything like that, I don't have any details on, on any of that. But, uh, you know, if you ask the drivers, if you ask the crew chiefs, it's it's been a difficult place, you know, over the years, for sure. And you, when you debrief with the teams, et cetera, and with Goodyear, because you'll have a debrief, right, how do you reach out to the teams? How do you find out? And, you know, with, what will the process be? Well, I mean, we have a pretty open dialogue with the teams and the engineers, so um, we have a we have a meeting with Goodyear. Goodyear has open dialogues with the teams, so it's it's not – you know, it's not like anybody doesn't want to participate in that. We all, as an industry, want to figure out um, how we can be better. All right, everyone. Thank you. Thank you Thanks. for your time. Okay, that completes the interview with uh, Scott Miller. Uh, your thoughts after hearing what he had to say, Sal? I mean, the tire thing is cut and dry. I mean, you know, of course, you know, they're going to they're gonna go with the team, talk to the teams, you know what, and see what kind of setups they had. You know, I mean, that's – that that's a gimme right there. You know what they're gonna, you know, uh, what, like what I mentioned earlier. You know, some some use more aggressive camber, you know, stuff like that. You know, so of course, you know, they're gonna wear the tires out faster. You know, and you know, Goodyear's gonna work with the teams to try and bring a compound. You know, that'll last from pit stop to pit stop because of now the way it's set up, that Goodyear finally, when we had that last fiasco some years ago, that we had almost the whole season going bad. You know, the, at least now the tires, with, with the problem they were having back then was the tires weren't lasting between um, fuel stops. You know, mm-hmm. so the teams were having to come in early, you know, to, to put tires on before fuel stops. So Goodyear worked through that, and, and they were able to get a tire, you know, that'll last. I mean, we see them now. You know, guys go out, you know, they'll do a fuel stop, and they'll keep the same tires on and just keep on going, yep. you know. So, yeah, that, that's cut and dry. But I, 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 don't, I don't fall for anything he said about the – about the Hamlin um, firing incident because they have enough guys up there. They have enough cameras around the track. It's funny that that when they say, oh, somebody spun, well, you know what, let's go back. I mean, it could be somebody like Cody Ware that could spin that's not even a front runner that's running 40th. You know what, but it's funny that they have a camera that will go back that fast and they'll catch the spin. 
and here you got mm-hmm. two two drivers in the front of the field, you know, that are racing for the championship, that are in the chase. You know what? They have cameras on the, on on everything. You know, I I don't. There was too much time in between that they could have made a that they could even ran one or two extra yellow laps to go back well, with the incident, that, especially. He said there's no you know real what? good excuse, but they are oh, looking yeah, at putting in-car cameras in all of the cars yeah. for next year. Oh, yeah, well, of course he's going to say there's no good excuse because they they got caught with their pants down. You know what? And, and um, you know, I mean, <laughs> any – from, from a media so standpoint, they admitted we've that. been That's in. what I'm saying. No, I know. Why, yeah, why keep I know. bragging media, on them if they've already admitted it? <laughs> yeah. You know, from, from a media standpoint, we've we've gone to the media centers in the rooms, you know, where they do the, where they have the TVs and mm-hmm. they have, you know, 50,000 monitors there, you know, where they can, you know, see everything, you know. It, it's just, it, it's a bad situation for Hamlin, you know, you know, it was just, you know, I mean, sure, so... So you penalize William Byron for bumping Hamlin, but but that but but you still don't give Hamlin back his spot, you know, in the race, you know, when where he really needed yeah. it. You know what the penalty is? The penalty well, isn't going to help him any. We, yeah, I I hear what you're saying. It, we haven't heard what the penalty is yet, and if they will give yeah uh, points to Hamlin, it, uh, I don't know oh, how they do that. But you can't give him we'll points because you don't know happens. what. Yeah, I mean, you can't give him points because you don't know how the how the rest of the race would have gone with him. Mm-hmm. Say he would have been up front, or you know, or even contending for a win. You know, so I mean, you know, there's no. The only thing they could do is just penalize William Byron for the hit. Mm-hmm. You know, take away and from it, him. You know, I think it should be a pretty stiff penalty. Be any time a driver uses their car uh, during a caution as a weapon. It should be an absolute no, not acceptable, no tolerance kind of thing. I think. Oh, I agree, hundred percent. I agree. I agree a thousand percent. But NASCAR, I mean, we've seen in the past they they play favorites. You know, you know the. Well. You know, and and even and, and even when they hand out the penalties, some of the penalties we see are. I mean, we'll talk about it. They, that's it. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. you know. That's it. Well, this year's you know, been a little else... bit more no-nonsense with some of the penalties yeah, that they've given out this year uh, because yeah. I think a lot of people were saying that they need to be stricter uh, with some of these things, and I think that's what we're going to find out with the tire issues, too. Uh, I know you know this, where they give them a, uh, a PSI for those tires every single week of what the recommended PSI should be. And a lot well, of people play with that. <laughs> well, they have to because I remember a few years back, teams mm-hmm. were going out there with like 10, 12, 12 pounds of pressure. I mean, the tire looked like it was completely flat, you know, because they wanted to build up pressure to where they wanted it, and they had to do it because they're blowing tires. You know what? And it was a, it was a, it was an issue. You know what? Mm-hmm. The tires weren't even inflated to where it was a safe. You know, where you could say it was a safe. Exactly. You and know, that's it was what safe happens. for the, not only for the driver, but for the competitors around them. You know, but, and, and I've but, said this you know before what? too. You know, a lot of the rules happen for those happen because we've got, uh, and and you know this is true. There were more people who didn't have tire issues than people who did have tire issues. So 
what happens is those few people that push that are the reason why a rule is put into place, and they're given a tighter and tighter window of what to work with it with those things. NASCAR wants to give them a little bit of leeway, but they abuse it every single time. And I remember, oh, yeah. I forget who it was that said it, but somebody said NASCAR has to kind of govern us because we cannot govern ourselves. They will, it would just be crazy. And it's true. There has to be a sanctioning body. You can't expect the teams to sanction themselves. Exactly. I mean, you know what? I mean, we see it. We see it week after week. I mean, you know what? I mean, look, look at look at the whole time Jimmy Johnson was racing. You know what? You know, Chad. Mm-hmm. How many times did he get? You know, push. You know, yep. bending the rules. You know what? Finding the gray areas. You know what? And and getting caught. You know, and 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 I mean, and and, and it happens now even in short track racing. You know what? We had we had two cars last two weeks ago get get DQ'd. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, you know, you see so, it all the time. You know, I talk to Ricky Brooks a lot. He he tells me about yep. all the, you know, because I read about it and I see it. You know, he he tells me about all the, you know, all the um, exactly. You know, all the so the stuff the teams, that he sees. The teams are going to try to get whatever little inch they can take, and if they can get that inch, they're going to take it another inch or another inch, and then it's a foot, and then it's you know several feet or a mile, as long as NASCAR lets them get by with it. So um, they have to kind of put their foot down at some point. And, and what's happening, I think, in this case is NASCAR is getting the blame for what the teams are doing to try to get that little extra competitive advantage. So um, I think that they, they need to, to continue to kind of toe the line on these guys. They, they do, you know what, and I mean, they're going to do it to the best you know, to the best that they can, you know, it's, it's just going to be, uh, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's whatever happens, it's going to be worse on Byron than it, it's, it, it's, it's not going to help Denny Hamlin. Any, I mean, unless they're that close in the points, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. It really is. So we'll see what happens when they come out with the penalty. Uh, like you say, it's never going to be a perfect world. Um, it never has been, and it's never going to be. Uh, and I think a lot of times NASCAR fans want everything to be in a neat little package uh, that makes it a perfect world. But we live in an imperfect world, and so it's never, ever going to be a perfect situation. And every situation is different. And I do think that NASCAR does try to look at um, everything that they can to the best of their ability. So, you know, and, you know, and, and, and even going, yeah, you know, and, and even going back to the um, to the Ty to the Ty Gibbs incident for a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, Ty Gibbs. You know what he gets out of the car? He praises God, God this, God that. But you know what? He's, <laughs> it just shows he's he's normal like every other kid because yep. you know what i mean he lost his temper against um ty dillon you know what and bumped ty dillon on on pit road you know oh, what and, and almost knocked him into an official but yet he'll get out and say well i'm sorry you know what um you know you know god bless the you know the people you know and and you know he's he's trying to be like his like his grandfather 
you know, Joe Gibbs, you know, who's, who's a devout Christian, you know, and I, and I, I'm not, I'm not, um, bashing him. I'm not saying that it's, you know, it's wrong, but you know what, he's human, you know what, and, and, uh, right. you know, and, and well, he needs to, he needs to remember Joey, that himself. Joey Logano, <clears throat> he, they, they say he's one person when he's outside of the car, and when he gets inside the car, he's an entirely different person. Same thing with, you know what, with, uh, Kyle Busch and a lot of these other drivers. Yeah, uh, and we but, certainly but see their it job. with Mike Hmm? Yeah, that's that's his job. His job is to race a car. His job is to win races. You know mm-hmm. what? And and you know, and it, everybody has attitude. You know what? And you know, but you know, but but you know, don't 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 try to be holier than thou. Is is kind of like yeah, my thing. I know you what know you're what? saying. You know what? Just yeah. just be yourself. You know what? Everybody knows. You know. The, you know. I'm not going to start getting into the Bible and all that. But it says everybody's right. everybody's sinner. You know, everybody or nobody's perfect. Except for exactly one person, you know right. what, and, and you know what, and, and and that's the way Ty gives just needs to keep just doing what he's doing. You know, if he gets mad, he gets mad. But you know what, but 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 don't take it to the extreme when they interview him. You know, yeah, you know, it to, almost seems insincere you know, when that happens. Yeah, I know exactly. exactly. You know what? Yeah. Just say, hey, you know, what? I I messed up. You know what? I lost my temper. You know what? And you know what? And, and I'm sorry for what I did. Leave it at that. You know what? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. But 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 he goes into the streams, you know, right away, you know. And um and I'm sure his grandpa loves it because his grandpa wants his whole family you know, to be like that, you know what? But you know, he's gotta remember but, he's a kid, you know what he has he's he's has exactly a, he has right. his own personality. He's still young. Yep, he's still oh, very yeah. young and we're gonna he's see still lo- got a lot to learn. Um, oh, we're gonna see a lot more out of him too, like that. I mean, yep. you know what? Um you know, some some of the nicest drivers out there, you know, have lost it. Mark Martin has lost it. He's probably one of the best. Yep, they've all, you know, Jeff Bobby Burton Le- lost it <laughs> one yeah. time with Jeff Gordon. Yeah, uh, so yeah. Th- nobody is perfect. We know that. Uh, absolutely. Okay, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on, uh, Sal, to the truck series. Uh, they are. They did not race this past weekend. Their next race is actually going to be the Chevy Silverado 250 at Talladega Super Speedway this weekend, Saturday, October the 1st, at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, it's going to be uh, televised on Fox Sports 1, and they'll have radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM Radio. Jay and I will talk more about that upcoming race this Thursday night on our preview show. Uh, but uh, these guys are in the heat of their um, – they are in the heat of their playoff as well. And so that's going to be interesting because this race at Talladega, as you know, is always a uh, wild card uh, event. And so – the Camping World Truck Series, just to kind of give you a perspective on where this stands in their playoffs, they are in the playoff round of eight right now. Talladega will be the second race in their playoff round of eight. And Homestead Miami on October 22nd is going to be that elimination race that tells them who will be the final four drivers to compete for the championship at Phoenix in November. So, this is a big race. Ty Majeski already punched his ticket into uh, the playoffs. Now we're wondering who's going to be the next driver to punch their ticket. 
who's going to be on top of the wild card at Talladega Super Speedway, and then who's going to win Homestead Miami Speedway uh, on the 22nd. So um, uh, let's go ahead and cover the points there as they stand after the last race at Bristol Motor Speedway. All right. Like you said, Tyler Jeske's already in, so he's first on the list. And that second is Chandler Smith. Third is Dave Smith. Fourth is uh, Stuart Friesen. And then below the cut line is John Hunter Nemechek, who is nine points below Stuart Friesen. Chris Eckes, who's 13 points below Stuart Friesen. Grant Enfinger, who is 15 points below. And Ben Rhodes, who is 18 points below. So you got a you got a tight little uh, you got a tight little um, uh, thing going on. Tight, yeah, tight little thing going on right there. So, I mean, it could it even at eighteen points out for Ben Rhodes, it could it could be anybody's um, it could be anybody's race to take that spot from Stuart Friesen, and and even even to take the spot away from from Zane Smith, who's twenty one points, you know, behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who's 21 points on top. As we've seen, you know, Chase Elliott's already had a couple bad races in the Cup Series, and Chase lost all, almost all of his playoff points, you know, exactly. once we get to, to talking about it. So, I mean, any, anything anything is possible. I mean, you know, Stewart could have a bad race. They, they could have a bad one. Chandler Smith could have one, and even even possibly be in a, in a spot, you know, to where John Hunter Nemechek, you know, can – could push him all the way out, you know. Zane and Stewart have good races, so there's a lot of there's a lot of scenarios that are going to be Especially that are going to be played. Right now. Exactly. Especially at a track like Talladega, where anybody could win. Yeah. And a lot of those drivers could get knocked out of the race, like we've seen in some of these other races, uh, and it puts them below the cut line instead of on top of the cut line. So this next race is going to be critical, I think, uh, for the truck series. <clears throat> Uh, to see how that's going to kind of pan out uh, for that Homestead-Miami race on the 22nd. Um, so do not miss Talladega next week. Oh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see, how, to see how, like you said, see how it plays out. Yep, we've already seen three-time champion uh, Matt Crafton miss the round of eight. Uh, and, and something like that could happen, too, where a driver like Matt Crafton uh, could end up winning. And uh, you know now you're now you're looking at the points again, and trying to get in on points. Then now you've got two drivers uh, getting themselves in on points. And John Hunter Nemechek, everybody thought he would be the you know top contender for the championship, and right now he's sitting below that cut line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was he was one of the favorites to win the to win the mm-hmm. championship this year, and look and look where he's at. He's in a He's in a he's in a bad spot right now. He's in a spot that exactly he probably right. never thought he'd, he'd ever see himself in. Exactly right. Uh, so they've got an entry list, I think, here already for this race. Natalie Decker is going to be racing for Rayum Brothers, uh, so she's going to be back in the truck series. But you also have, uh, uh, let's see, some others that haven't been announced yet. Uh, AM Racing hasn't announced their driver yet. Um, I don't see anybody else. Jennifer Joe Cobbs is going to be racing. Ryan Priest. 
Uh, Parker Retzlaff made an announcement that he's going to be racing the number 20 for Young's Motorsports in that race. Austin Wade himself will be in the uh, 22 car for AM Racing, but there's going to be a second AM Racing car as well. So, yeah, there's a lot that can happen when you're talking about uh, uh, Talladega. Brett Holmes is going to be is on the uh, list here. Chase Purdy. Parker Kligerman can win at uh, at a track like uh, Talladega. Yep, you got a lot. It, you got a lot of possibilities there. Uh, a lot of possibilities there. So uh, again, uh, also I thought it was really good news, and I, we may have talked about this before, but it's worth mentioning it again. Uh, we know that the All Star Race is going to be at North Wilkesboro. Uh, neck on the next year's schedule, and uh, they uh, they also mentioned that the NASCAR Trucks Craftsman's Truck Series will be racing that same weekend. So that's really big news. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was big. That was uh, some big news. And that's during the weekend of May nineteenth to the twenty first. Now they haven't announced to the third. I think they said it's going to be a three-day event out at North Wilkesboro Speedway. So, and it's also in celebration of NASCAR's 75th anniversary, uh, their 75th season. And so, uh, I think that there's going to be a third series that's going to be racing that weekend. We still don't know who that third series is going to be yet. Um, and uh, I'm guessing it might be the Arkham Menard series. So we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Anything else you want to bring up about the uh, truck series, Jay or Sal? No, no, that, no, that's really about it. I want. Uh, I think I figured out this this uh, our team's thing. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. Good. Okay, so we're a little bit early, but let's go ahead and get into the uh, Xfinity Series that raced out at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. Noah Gregson uh, made it his third, I'm sorry, fourth consecutive win in that series. He's just been on a hot streak uh, in the uh, truck series this year, Uh, especially recently he's been uh, a big time on uh, building momentum on his way to uh, perhaps winning the championship. It was the 18th annual Andy's Frozen Custard 300 with race winner Noah Gregson, age 24, driving the number nine Bass Post Shops True Timber BRCC Chevrolet for team owner Rick Hendrick and crew chief Lucas Lambert. Now, that Rick Hendrick is part owner of Junior Motorsports. He actually races for Junior Motorsports, but keeping in mind that Rick Hendrick is is the uh, uh, stakeholder at Junior Motorsports. It was his 12th victory in 129 Xfinity Series races, his 7th victory and 20th top 10 finish this year. Uh, also, his first victory and fourth top ten finish in eight races at Texas Motor Speedway. Austin Hill finished second, posting his uh, second top ten finish in four races at Texas Motor Speedway and his 17th top ten finish in this year. 
Uh, he's also the highest finishing rookie of this race. Ty Gibbs finished third, posting his first top ten finish in two races at Texas. And uh, uh, we'll go ahead and take a look at uh, at uh, what happened during this race. <clears throat> Uh, Noah Gregson actually ties the record for the most consecutive Xfinity Series wins when he parked his number nine junior motorsport Chevrolet at the finish line. Uh, emerged through his cars, he emerged through the car's roof flap, raised his arms in triumph, taking in all the loud cheers from Texas Motor Speedway grandstands as he celebrated his his historic fourth consecutive NASCAR Xfinity Series victory on Saturday afternoon. Now, he has a chance, Sal, to exceed that record and be the record holder if he wins again at Talladega. So um, (laughs) uh, it's the fourth Xfinity Series race, uh, picking up uh, the victory at Texas. And with the win, again, he tied Sam Ard for the most consecutive wins in the series since 1983. He also led a race-high 85 laps en route to his seventh uh, win this season. Austin Hill uh, finished second, 1.2 seconds behind Gregson, and then it was Ty Gibbs who came from the rear of the field to finish third. In fourth place was A.J. Allmendinger, then Riley Earps, rounding out the top five. Josh Berry ended the 300-mile race in sixth place with Sheldon Creed, Sam Mayer, Ryan Sieg, and C.J. McLaughlin rounding out the top ten. Daniel Hemrick finished 11th. He, uh, in the number 11, finished uh, first in the opening stage. Uh, It was his first stage win since the season opener at Daytona, uh, but he was involved in a third-stage melee that dropped him to the 30th-place finishing order. Uh, Almendinger won Stage 2, but was also involved in a third-stage wreck. So uh, it's kind of interesting that there there were a lot of wrecks on uh, Saturday as well. There were 14 lead changes among seven drivers and nine cautions for 52 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 113 Point six seven two miles per hour. Your thoughts, uh, Sal, about those? Yeah, it was a uh, no. It just really, um, you know, put the put a um, spanking on those guys. You know, uh, you know, be one of the um, um, I, I thought I thought for a while Austin Hill, you know, might have had a Austin actually had a, took a couple shots at Noah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know after that last restart, but just really couldn't, really couldn't get to him the way he really wanted to, and a track it that fast, you know, you really don't want to move a driver too much either, you know what, it can be serious, but um, you know then you know Ty Gibbs, you know finishing the third spot, you know I I I thought I think I think Ty just just used up his car and had nothing left for Noah at all. Yeah, um, it was I would agree. It was, it was good to see AJ you know, get the a four spot. Then, of course, you know, Sheldon Creed, you know, you know, to, to you know, have that seventh place finish, you know, even though he's already out of the, even though he's out of the chase. But um, you uh, know, I, I, and and I still say that, 
that there's some drivers there that still own NOAA, and I think they're all waiting for. Yeah. For the I right think they're time. waiting for. I think they're waiting for Phoenix when it counts. Yeah. They're they're not gonna. Yeah. <clears throat> I've noticed that too. He's been very aggressive, and I think some of these drivers are looking for payback down the line. Oh yeah, and I think I think um, I think come Phoenix, and I, I think he's going to have a hard time trying to win that championship. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I do think uh, Riley Earps. I wanted to bring him up too. He had another top five finish here. He's taken a lot of heat uh, because of his dad's money is the only reason that he's in that car. But I think Riley Earps has really been coming into his own and running pretty well here in the Xfinity Series of late. Oh, yeah, he has. I mean, you know, he's starting to, you know, he's starting to, you know, I guess what you could say, kind of like, like, you know, starting to get a little bit more aggressive, you know what, um, you know, starting, you know, to really, you know, try to, you know, put his car up there, you know, up front. He knows what's at stake. You know, he mm-hmm. wants he wants to make the final four, you know, and uh you know, so I think it's gonna be interesting, you know, how the how the um you know, how the rest of the season plays out for him, you know, if he does get into the final four. I know when we get to the point, I don't he's he's right there below the cut line, but um, mm-hmm. you know, there there there's a lot that can happen, you know, you know, especially you know, with Talladega coming up, you know, he he's 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 a good race and um you know, to, you know, to break that thing, but, um, you know, and, and, but I think Riley's a talented driver. I I think he's had a learning curve. He has had a learning curve, you know, and it's been a big learning curve, you know, but, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I think, I think he'll be okay. And and, and I think he'll, um, you know, and, and I think he'll, uh, Uh, I I think he'll make the case. Ryan Seager yeah. just kind of been the, just kind of like the like the quiet, like the quiet. Uh, what do you say? It's like the quiet, just kind of by this time. You know what? Doing what we have yeah. to, you know, you know I, to, you know to be there. I know what you're saying. Uh, let's go ahead and get the points because uh, we're running out. No, wait a second. We're ahead of time here. Uh, I was thinking we were running out of time, but we're not. Uh, we got plenty of time. So yeah, he's he's yeah. Uh, he he is quieter. He's not as um, uh, robust as flamboyant. As, uh, yeah, flamboyant as all yeah. the other drivers. Right. He's a little more on the quiet side. But I think that Riley, but he's always happy, too. Anytime I've ever talked to Riley, he's got a smile on his face. And uh, he just seems to have a good attitude. And I think it's more than just his daddy's money is the reason he's in the Xfinity <laughs> Series. So I can't oh, no. wait I, no, no, for the, him to win yeah, some races. There, there, and I know he's knocking on the door. Yeah, there's a lot of things that Stuart House Racing have seen in him. You know what? Um you know, also the fact, you know, that him and Cole are friends, you know, they raced, they raced, you know, together and Cole against Custer. each other, you know, over here, over here at Irondale, yeah. yeah. So I think that has a lot to do with it, too. You know, he brings a positive attitude, you know, to the team. Um, you know, I really don't see any other, 
any other Xfinity driver, you know, who could who could fill that, who could. I'm sure the fans they have their they have their um, they have their uh, opinions, you know, about you know about you know who 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 could have filled his shoes, you know, but you know it's you know it's 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 hard, you know, to you know to you know because nobody knows really how what goes on in the shop either, you know, and how receptive he is at the shop, you know, and how good mm-hmm. he's you know, with, with the team and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. We'll see how it continues to build out. Um, but Cole Custer, I know he sometimes takes a little bit of heat because uh, of his dad as well. But uh, Cole, I know, is a very methodical driver. Do you think Riley is kind of the same way? Is he very methodical in his racing? I don't know. I I think they're they both have different they both have different agendas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I think Cole has a lot on his shoulders because of because of the team he's driving on, and the fact you know that his dad is vice president, you know, of the of the team, you know, and you know, and, and Gene Haas, um, you know, Gene Haas, you know, sponsors, you know, you know, sponsors mm-hmm. the car, you know, so, you know, I, I, I kind of think, you know, that's kind of where, um, you know, so I, I, I think that, uh, um, that he Cole, takes a lot has, of- he's got a little, he's, he has a lot more pressure. He's got a lot more riding on his career than what Riley does. You know, Riley just kind of, he'll just let it go. You know, whatever they say, you know, he'll, you know, that'll be it. Mm-hmm. But I, but I think the thing with I think the thing with Cole is that you know I think Cole takes a lot of heat, a lot more heat, you know, because of who his dad is, you know, within the organization, you know. So um, I kind of think that that's what that's what splits the two up. Mhm. That's that's good insight, Sal. Uh, and and I I do think that. Um, Cole, I think, is very talented as well, and we do see him right, racing up uh, at the front sometimes, you know, up in that top ten. So we'll we'll see if uh, he can make it happen as uh, things uh, move forward here. Um, but let's uh, let's talk about the series point standings in the Xfinity series after this Andy's frozen custard 300 at Texas Motor Speedway. All right, the way the points are now is um, you got Noah, no leading the points. Of course, he's already got his wins, you know, to get, you know, to the next round. Um, mm-hmm. Second is A.J. Allmendinger, who's um, – and third, you got Ty Gibbs. Um, fourth, we got Austin Hill. Hmm. Fifth, we got Josh Berry. Sixth, we got uh, Justin Allgaier. Seventh is Sam Mayer. Where are you looking? And the top eight is – out because where I'm looking, it's a different point standings. Oh, I'm 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 doing the uh, I'm doing the the points. I'm only doing the just the points with the cut line. Okay. The one the ones on Jayski. Yeah. No, I'm okay. not doing I'm not doing those series points. Yeah, I'm 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 doing the the other ones. Okay. But I mean, I I go back I go back to the other one. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Continue. There we go. Okay, so the one you're looking at is it's the same thing. It's it's uh um Noel Gregson in first, 
A.J. Almendinger in second, Ty Gibbs in third, Austin Hill in fourth, oh, Josh Berry in fifth, Justin Algeyer in sixth, Sam Meyer, Sam, Sam Mayer in seventh, Brad Sieg is eighth, and then uh, Riley Herbst is ninth, Daniel Hammer grounds out the top ten, and then from there, then you go down to Brandon Jones and Jeremy Clements, which are all the which are all the chase drivers. So you got um, Austin Hill, who's the highest rookie so far. It looks like he's going to probably end up being being our rookie of the year this year with all the mm-hmm. with all the uh, you know with all the yeah. He's the, the rookie of the year. Right he's the only um, rookie that's in the playoffs, so that automatically yeah. makes him rookie of the year. Yeah. That, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because the other one would have been Sheldon Creed had he made the mm-hmm. had he uh, had he had made the playoffs. Okay. So, and and that's just the straight points of how they stand right now. The other one that you were reading from is okay. I see where it's, you were at now. Yeah. So the other one I was reading at was the. Um, was uh was the actual the actual playoff picture. playoff points. Yeah. Which is which is Noah Gregson in first, AJ Almondinger in second, Tigans third, Austin Hill in fourth, Josh Berry fifth, uh, Justin Algaier sixth, Sam Mayer seventh, Ryan Sieg is on the bubble. Actually Sam Mayer and uh and Ryan Sieg are both tied with and uh Riley Herbst is one point out. Mm-hmm. Daniel Hemrick is eight points out. Brandon Jones is 13 points out, and Jeremy Clemens is at a must-win situation. All right, he's 29 20, points 29. out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's way too far out to. Yeah, but this next race, a lot can change. <laughs> Brandon Jones is certainly capable of winning at Talladega. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. a lot can change, uh, and who knows? It could be Riley's first win. Daniel Daniel Hamrick could get another win. Who knows? I mean, there's so much that can happen at Talladega. It, it is really yeah, going to be. That's what I'm saying. We've seen we've seen Daniel Hamrick get in, and uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of drivers get in so far this year. You know, by they got to get around Noah Gregson though, because Noah Gregson is just on a roll. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think I don't think I mean I understand that Junior, you know, dominated Talladega, but I I don't think Noah is the I don't I don't think he's gonna be the the one of the favorites. I mean yeah, he'll be one of the favorites because of all the races he's won. But I mean I I think there's other drivers you gotta look to as favorites too and I I think I think Riley could put something together and get a win. But I'm also think that A. J. Allmendinger would be another one to you know, to yep. really keep an eye out for. Absolutely. Almondinger is very good at Talladega. And here's the thing. Yeah. He's got a chance to be the record holder for most consecutive wins in the playoff. And um, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see if he can get that win at Talladega. I, I think it's going to be hard for him to do. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. I'm not suggesting that. But it's going to be hard. Especially a track like Talladega, you know, where it's, you know what, um, how many drivers are going to want to push him to the front 
you know, if, 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 if he's in that position, you know, how many are going to want to just leave him hanging out to dry and just say, you know what, you know, I, I remember this, I remember that, you know what, so, you know, why, why should I be the guy that, why should I be that guy, you know, to push you to the front, you know, yeah. instead, you know, I could push someone else to the front, you know, and it depends on who's, on who the teammates are, you know, right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, again, uh, there's just so much that can happen. Uh, they're your teammates until the very end when you've got to go after that win. Exactly. So, okay, again, we're a little bit early, but I'm going to go ahead and get into the NASCAR Cup Series now itself. Uh, at Texas Motor Speedway, the 18th Annual Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500 race winner Tyler Reddick. Now, here's another record. We've had, what, four consecutive non-playoff drivers win in the Cup Series. Uh, Tyler Reddick, the next winner, age 26, driving the number eight Lenovo Think Ed Chevrolet for Richard Childress Racing, with crew chief Randall Burnett. It was his third victory in 104 Cup Series races, his third victory in 13th top 10 finish this year, and his first victory in third top 10 finish in four races at Texas. Joey Logano finished second, hosting his 15th top 10 finish in 27 races at Texas, and his 14th top 10 finish this year. Justin Haley finished third, posting his first top 10 finish in two races at Texas Motor Speedway. Then it was Austin Sendrick. He's the, he was the highest finishing rookie. He finished in 15th place. And um, uh, this was just an amazing win. He played the spoiler at Texas. Uh, they say everything is bigger in Texas, and certainly NASCAR's round of 12 playoff opener at Texas Motor Speedway lived up to that billing. From playoff consequences to a red flag delay and to bumper-banging aggression to a tire fall-off and record statistical marks, there were no shortage of competitive drama in Sunday's race. Uh, it was Richard Childress Racing Tyler Reddick that prevailed, taking the green flag by 1.190 seconds over Penske Racing's Joey Logano in the final 24 green flag uh, lap run. Uh, to the checkered flag. It was the 26-year-old California's third career victory and his first win on an oval after claiming trophies on two road courses earlier this season. Uh, again, uh, we talked about uh, Haley finishing in third. Then it was uh, Blaney, uh, Ryan Blaney finishing fourth, Chase Briscoe rounding out the top five, then it was uh, Eric Jones, William Byron. William Byron uh, uh, was the pole sitter. Brad Keselowski finishing in seventh. Kyle Larson in eighth. And Denny Hamlin finishing in 11th place. The race was marred by a record number of cautions, many from tire, drivers having tires go down, uh, playoff drivers having problems on the day. On lap 79, Bell brought out the caution with a flat tire. He was able to stay on the lead lap, but spun again on lap 137, and the team was unable to repair the car. He ended up finishing in 34th. Alex Bowman hit the outside wall on lap 98. The team had to fix the toe link, and he lost eight laps. 
He battled back to five laps down but finished in 29th. Chase Elliott finished 32nd, and while leading the race near the end of stage two, he lost a tire, got loose into the outside wall. The car caught fire, and he had to get out, ending his day. The race was red flagged for 55 minutes on lap 221 due to rain and lightning, and stage one was won by Kyle Larson, stage two by Ryan Blaney. There were 36 lead changes among 19 drivers and a track record of 16 cautions for 91 yellow flag laps. I think I said 13 cautions earlier. The average speed of the race was 114.784 miles per hour. The time of the race was 4 hours, 21 minutes, and 53 seconds, not counting the red flag. So your thoughts about uh, what happened at uh, Texas Motor Speedway and the top 10 drivers? Um, yeah, it was... Uh... It was... Uh... Like we, I said earlier, you know what? Some of the drivers are um, were uh, not having good uh, good runs. Well, I think uh, uh, Scott Miller said the top four drivers all said that they used conservative settings on their tire <clears throat> pressure, and they did not have the problem with the tires that you saw from the other drivers. So um, I think that says a lot. Oh yeah, it does. I mean, you know, it's um, it's uh, I mean, how many years have we gone that we've seen this many non-chase drivers win a race? Mm-hmm. You know, in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, the non-chase. I don't chase, remember ever seeing this many non-playoff drivers. I mean, win. I mean, the chase drivers are having. They're having problems. They're having issues. Mm-hmm. You know, and before, you know, it's always the non-case drivers. You know, it's kind of like the, like the, like the drivers. You know, kind of give the the chase drivers. You know, their kind of their respect. But it's not even that. It's just like you know, just you know what I think part of it is, is Val. I think that they brought so much parity with this next gen car that what's happening is that some of these drivers are getting desperate and they're willing to try some of these things that they're doing with the PSI. I think they're trying to do things to get that competitive edge, but it's biting them back. <laughs> and if they're not getting the the competitive edge that they, they want from doing those kind of things. So these guys played it conservative and they ended up winning the race. So, um, you got to be there at the end if you want to win. You know what, and that, and that makes, and you know, Sharon, that makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you. You know, it makes a, <laughs> it makes a lot of a sense. I, you know what? I hit one. Oh no, you you hit them a lot. You know, but I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it, you just, it's. You know, um, you know nobody nobody knows what's going on behind behind closed doors at the shops. You know, especially now. You know, um, you know, especially you know with the way this whole season's gone with this car. You know what? Teams are willing to take different chances. They're willing to try different things. They have to because, you know, it's the old proverbial I mean, risk versus reward. 
yeah, we haven't we haven't really seen any domination this year by any one driver, not like we did last year when Kyle Larson won the championship. You know, he put together you know all those all those race wins. You know, mm-hmm. and, and we just we just didn't see it this year. You know, we didn't see you know one driver you know just really step up you know and just be the you know the dominating factor. There hasn't been a dominating or really a dominating factor. Or, you know, the teams have gone back and forth on the wins. You know, we haven't seen a manufacturer, you know, really just take control of the whole season, you know, and, and run with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're um, seeing drivers like know, Michael McDowell racing up, you know, uh, near the top ten or in the top ten, uh, which we haven't seen in a long, long time. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, Chris Boucher, Chris Boucher Chris went a race, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Tyler Reddick went 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 three races this year, you know, RCR was so far behind the was so far behind, you know, in their technology department, you know what? Everyone was wondering, you know, what would RCR RCR everyone a race. Yes. You know, again, you know, the next two to three years, you know, and look at already Tyler Reddick, you know, it's already got what is this is third win this year. Yeah. You know, and, and um you know, uh you know, so you know, the next year, you know, they're bringing in Kyle Bush who happens to be taking over the number eight car, which is what Tyler Reddick's in. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, so now you know, now you're going to wonder, you know, how much of a how a powerhouse is is RCR going to? They're going to be a powerhouse next year, you know, with you know Kyle Busch coming in. How's all that mm-hmm. going to play out? You know, Kyle and Kyle and, and uh, Austin Dillon, you know. Yep. You know. Well, and some of this could change uh, with some of these penalties that we were just talking about earlier too. We talked about the incident between uh, Ty Gibbs and uh, Ty Dillon, and then the incident between uh, Joey Legant, not Joey, Denny Hamlin and um, William Byron. So it's going to be interesting. You know, keep your keep your eye to the news tomorrow because I do think that there will be some penalties. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure there I'm sure there will be. You know, it's going to be interesting, you know, where they're, you know, you know, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Um, do you want to cover the points? Yeah, I'll get, yeah, let me get to the points. The points are, um, uh, I'll just... Are we doing the playoff points or are we doing the whole Yeah, go points? ahead and do the playoff points. That's fine. Okay, the playoff points are right now we got um, in first place is Joey Logano. Um, second place is Ross Chastain. Third is William Byron. Fourth is Kyle Larson. Fifth is Ryan Blaney. Sixth is Denny Hamlin. Seventh is Chase Elliott. And eighth is uh, Daniel Suarez. So Daniel Suarez and Chase Elliott are tied are tied for points right now. Mhm. And then in ninth is uh, Chase Briscoe, uh, Austin Sidrick, Christopher Bell, and Alex Bowman round up the top twelve. So you got yeah, Chris- four points. You got um, Briscoe is four points below the cutoff. Sindrick is 11 points below the cutoff. Bell is 29, and Bowman is 30. So, Bell and Bell and Bowman, they still have time to make up some points, but they're almost in a in a must win situation there. Yeah, um, I picked Bell this weekend too. I thought he was going to win, 
at Texas. So we'll have to see what and, happens. But. And then with all the bad races Chase Elliott has, he went from being a favorite to, you know, mm-hmm. possibly not, not even not even making the final four in uh, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. But Elliott could win at Talladega, too. He could also win at uh, Homestead, so we'll have to see. Um, and and we'll have to see how the penalty affects uh, drivers like William Byron. So and Ty Gibbs, no, Bubba is racing for the. Uh, never mind. <laughs> it's Bubba Wallace that's racing for the owners' points. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. So that's that's not even a. I mean, yeah. I don't even think I don't even think the fans pay attention to none of that. Yeah, I know. I know. It's really a shame. But, yeah, uh, the owner's points, uh, the owners certainly uh, watch that. And that's why they made the change that they made at Trackhouse to put Bubba Wallace into that 45 and move uh, Ty Gibbs over to the 23. But um, uh, interesting stuff. Um, yeah, and it is. This year um, has just been so different uh, than any other playoff season that we've seen. And uh, uh, I can't wait to see what happens at Talladega and Homestead. Yeah, you're kind of wondering what's going to happen with, you know, if if they take 50 points away from Byron, that'll put him. It puts him on the ball. That'll put him below. No, that puts him below uh, Bowman. Yeah, it does. Yeah, he'll be in a must-win situation, yeah, because he's got the 3,050. 3,058 points, and if they take 50 points away, he'll he'll be below Bowman, way below Bowman. Yeah. He'll be in a must-win situation. Or, yeah. or if they take 100 points away, you know, any points they take away, he's it's gonna it's gonna knock him. I know it's, it's I think it's gonna be a minimum of 50 points. Yeah, but, and you know, what? you know what? They're gonna try to make sure he 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 would have to be in a must-win situation. Uh, I wonder if they'll take away his playoff eligibility. I don't. You know what? I I I think you can't in this situation because I don't think it was. Yeah, he did hit Danny Hamlin under the yellow, but he he never really put anybody in danger. Not like the way Ty Gibbs did. Well, not only you know, that, but they, I mean, they were both hitting each other back and forth. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then Danny Hamlin came back and tried to spin him. So I mm-hmm. mean, he just didn't succeed. But what would have happened if Hamlin would have succeeded in spitting him? You know what? Do you do you off? Do you do like in football? Do you offset the penalties? You know, and not penalize anybody? Or do you? I mean, if if they if they penalize firing you, you have to penalize Hamlin too because he he went and and tried doing the same thing. He didn't succeed, but he was still aggressive using his car, you know, to try and bump him. So I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, NASCAR's gonna have to look at it and. And just say, hey, you know what? We either we either let it go, or you know what? They they both get penalized. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Uh, but it's it's going to change this whole. Uh, it's it, it could it has the potential to change the playoff thing, uh, the playoff point exactly. here, and the way it stands right now. Uh, the other thing is that they may opt to do nothing because they may kind of feel like uh, maybe these guys kind of took care of it between themselves. Denny Hamlin's not going to see it that way. That's for sure. <laughs> but I don't know. 
I, I think that anytime you use your car as a weapon, uh, it's not a good thing. And the fact that they both were hitting each other, uh, the, the, the move by Byron was certainly the biggest move because he, Hamlin ended up in the infield uh, spinning and did lose uh, track position. So yeah, I'm glad I'm not Yeah, I mean, what happens if he doesn't go through the grass? you got to remember the grass plays a big factor, too. Mm-hmm. You know, he true. spit through the grass. You know what? I mean, you know, what would have happened if it had been on the track? I mean, how, what would it? Just like when Hamlin went after him and hit him, he was on the asphalt. He couldn't spin him. You know, maybe Byron don't hit, doesn't hit him that hard, you know what? And, and Hamlin doesn't spin either, you know, but it's happened that he yeah. Went through the grass, you know. So of course, that, those are the know, intangibles that's hard to gauge. But then yeah. he did end up with a top ten finish. But who knows? Maybe he could have won. Maybe he could have won. We'll have to wait and see what NASCAR does. Yeah. So that's you true. said you're going to you're going to be at the racetrack this week. Yeah, I'll be at the uh, I'll be at the Arca race over in um and uh. Uh, All-American Speedway. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you're going to be there. Um, yeah, it's going to be I a good one. Saturday morning. Yeah, I fly out Saturday morning and then uh, fly back Sunday morning. Okay. Well, Sal, thanks for being here, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you on the other side on Monday, next Monday night, when we're reviewing the races uh, from the Arkham Menard Series and from the NASCAR races at Talladega. All right. All right, everybody, have a safe weekend. We'll talk to you all next week. Good night. Okay, good night, everybody. All right, it is uh, time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. I'm bringing everybody into the queue now, uh, and we've got uh, our regular crew back again. Uh, Let's start with uh, Andy Huseman. Welcome to the show, Andy. Andy Huseman. Andy. Andy Huseman. <laughs> Karen, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm laughing at myself. It's okay. I can't believe I said that. Well, yeah. I could I could very well be Jay's long lost brother. It is entirely possible. You never know. So, but it's good to be on. I'm I'm certainly uh, thankful to be here tonight, and always appreciative of the opportunity. So, looking uh, looking forward to it. Yes, indeed, Andy Lasky. Um, also, we do have Jay Huseman here. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jay. Soon, uh, been met. Welcome to many different ways, but that was a new one. So, <laughs> hoping my cell service holds up for about ten minutes, and then I'll be back home and can uh, fully lock up. Okay. And we also have Michael Orzel. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, well, you know, we should didn't cross pollinate me and Jay. That would be that's like oil and vinegar right there, <laughs> oil and water. Oh, I still can't believe I said that. I've called I've called Sal Jay. I've called Jay Sal. Now I've got Andy Huseman. Uh, it's terrible getting old. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got a lot to talk about here on Hot Topics tonight. So, uh, Andy. I'm going to let you be the first one to uh, bring up the first topic. There is a lot to talk about, and this one's um, thankfully not 
a huge hot topic, but I did see, and I think we all did, that uh, Jimmy Johnson has elected to finally step away from full-time racing. Such an accomplished career, so certainly curious what everyone's thoughts are about that. Okay. Jay, your thoughts? To me, I know uh, he stepped away from NASCAR. Okay, Jay, you're coming in and out. We're having a hard time hearing you, so I'm going to go to Mike. And then we'll try you again in a second here. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, hopefully we get Jay back here shortly. But uh, with regard to Jimmy Johnson, not really a surprise. He stepped away from NASCAR a few years ago because he was saying the schedule was getting to be too much of a grind. And and what, what more could you want? It's Jimmy Johnson, 84 career wins and seven championships. I think he did fairly well in NASCAR. Uh, his IndyCar stint, I would say, would be a little more forgettable. Uh, not the most, uh, I guess, marquee performance in IndyCar. But then again, he's Jimmy Johnson. What's he got to prove to anybody? Hopefully he had his fun in IndyCar. And like he said, he's stepping away from full-time driving. He left the door open uh, a couple weeks ago, mentioned he might come back and race the All-Star Race at North Wilkesboro. He is eligible for the NASCAR All-Star Race if he chooses to run that. Obviously, he would have to find a ride and put together some sort of a, a deal to get him into the race. But in terms of eligibility, Jimmy Johnson would be eligible to do the All-Star Race at North Wilkesboro. So we might see him back, not just racing, but in a NASCAR Cup Series car next year. be interesting to see, but I wish the very best for Jimmy Johnson. Okay, Jay, you want to try it again? Okay, we might have to come back to Jay on that one. Uh, I will go ahead and just say that, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, interesting. He wants to spend more time with his family. You can't fault anybody for wanting to do that. Uh, And they even talked about him spending that, you know, a year or two outside of the country and taking the girls abroad. Uh, somewhere, I think they mentioned Italy or Germany. I was the other one. I can't remember. Uh, but they talked about you know going abroad and and letting the girls uh, have a year or two abroad, and that experience, and uh, then coming back. Um, so I, I really applaud him for putting the family first and and really uh, uh, putting that into his considerations. He's talked for a while about the grind of the long season that NASCAR has and the impact that uh, he felt it had on his family and wanting to change that when he raced full-time this year with the IndyCar series. Uh, he felt the same thing, that that season seemed to be a little bit longer than what he was really comfortable with. So I, I think he's retiring just from full-time racing. He still wants to race. I think we'll still see him. Uh, and hopefully we will see him in uh, a NASCAR uh, race sometime soon in the 2023 season, and uh, that all works out. But, yeah, I really wish him the best, and uh, we'll see where all of this goes for next year. Uh, Jay, one more chance. Okay, we're not hearing from him, so, uh, Andy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, the stint in IndyCar uh, was for fun. He wanted to do it. It was a, a completely different form of motorsports than his comfort zone that he was so successful in for so long. And, and like Mike said, no, maybe it wasn't the most successful tenure of his career, but but he had the right to go do what he wanted, and, and that was to go try something new for a couple of years, 
And, you know, I think he had his fun with that. He got to try it. And now maybe he can step back and, and pick and choose, you know, as he put it, 10 or so bucket list items or, or races rather that he can go do next year. Maybe, you know, we can see him run that Le Mans event or, or maybe the Rolex 24. I, ho- I certainly hope to see him continue to dabble in the in IMSA a bit. That would be a lot of fun to see. Uh, maybe some NASCAR races. You never know. It'd be cool to see him do that. And, and maybe he'll still run races like an Indy 500 or something like that. So certainly um, a very well-storied career. He's had a lot more success than most drivers can say they have. And, and obviously, um, you know, he's doing things on his own terms. And, and the fact that he can still go out and race part-time, um, that's awesome. So hopefully we'll see him back in a stock car at some point. And um, obviously um, a very successful in, in a career that's worth celebrating for sure. Okay. Very good. Uh, Jay, are you back? Not yet. So, Mike, <laughs> your follow-up. Uh, nothing really more to add. Just well wishes for Jimmy Johnson. I'm interested to see what he does do. He did run the Rolex 24 a couple of years ago. Obviously, he's done uh, two seasons, one part-time, one full-time in the IndyCar series. Uh, but like he said, he's got the bucket list things. Maybe he's going to go back and, and do another uh, off-road truck race, kind of where he got his start in racing, or who knows where we might see Jimmy Johnson. But I do wish him the very best for him and his family as he moves on to the next phase of his life. Yeah, he did talk about that uh, double duty between the uh, Coca-Cola 600 and the Indy 500. Uh, as ha- We've also heard uh, Kyle Busch have interest in doing those uh, two races, so we might see a couple of NASCAR drivers in that Indy 500 as well as the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, but as you know, along with Carvana has already said that they'll support wherever he wants to race. Uh, so he has a sponsor that he's bringing in with him wherever he goes. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool to to have. And like you say, he's earned that right uh, to have those kind of sponsors and and uh, that kind of support. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what does happen next year and and the ten races that he chooses uh, to race. I, I suspect if the SRX is still going, we'll probably see him in possibly an SRX race as well. So, but IMSA is definitely on that list, uh, and uh, NASCAR, and who knows what else. We'll be surprised with whatever it is, I'm sure. Andy, your follow-up? Uh, nothing to really add. I, I think that, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, hopefully we'll see him do some stuff down the road. I'm certainly looking forward to, you know, seeing him run some part-time stuff, but, um uh, yeah, certainly looking forward to that, and we'll see what he ends up doing next year. Okay, Jay is here. I'm going to try you again, Jay. Yeah, I am back on. So I heard a little bit of what everybody was saying there, and the only part I can add is, like I said, I'm happy that he's in a position. You mentioned with the sponsor, Carvana, that it will back him in whatever races he chooses to, whatever brands. And I think he can be a great motorsports representative by doing so and increase awareness in all motorsports that he participates in and get some of that crossover involvement that we've all been looking for. Yes, we've been talking about that, and that's always a good thing. Okay, uh, Jay, why don't you bring up our next hot topic? Well, uh, I don't even know how to put this one, but... The problem with tires at Texas, I know it's kind of a carryover 
and we got a lot of different feeds on it. But to me, of the tire issue at Texas, thus then what NASCAR needs to be doing about it or their involvement in it as well. Okay. So, Mike, your thoughts about that? This is probably going to be a spicy one. We knew it was coming, but uh, this was another week and another really bad look for the Gen 7 car with a race that was dominated by mechanical issues. This is a tire issue. I don't know that Texas was quite as bad as the 2008 Brickyard 400, but it was really, really close. The racing itself was almost non-existent, and it really felt like it was just racing to the next random tire failure, and that had by far the largest impact on the race. And this has kind of created a story for the NASCAR playoffs where the car and the problems with the car are the lead story and not the competition that's going on as NASCAR is trying to determine their championship. And that's a really bad look. As far as what can be done right now, I don't know. With regard to the safety of the car, we saw some really hard hits. Kevin Harvick posted he was in a form of physical therapy today. Cody Ware had to get carried off a pit road on a stretcher. Kurt Busch is obviously still out for two months and counting. With the safety of this car in question, there's got to be something done at this point. If nothing else, the, the, the immediate solution, they've got to increase practice time. I think that's been a major part of why we've seen mechanical failures this year is there's just not a lot of track time prior to the race where teams can evaluate their setup and see if the setup that they're trying to run with is going to induce problems with the car or if the tire is not really working out the way Goodyear expected it to. If there's practice at races, and there's not even practice at all of them, but if there's practice, it's only maybe a 15-minute warm-up prior to qualifying, which isn't really enough time to expose any problems that have come up during the race. So that might have helped mitigate the problems at Bristol and Texas these past two races if they were able to identify that. Rodney Childers also posted some uh, interesting technical information. I won't get too deep into it, but basically he's saying that the – the way the shocks are adjusted and mounted on the car, it forces the teams to try and run that lower air pressure in the rear to get the most downforce out of the car. And he proposed some solutions that look like they'd be fairly straightforward for NASCAR to implement in the short term that might help alleviate some of these issues with regard to the tires and tire pressure. But there's a lot of issues with this Gen 7 car, and there's been questions that have kind of come back to the forefront that started in the offseason last year during the development where there were questions about the testing process, questions about the results of some of the crash tests, and some of that, those concerns that we might have a, a less safe car than what was being advertised have really come back to the forefront. And I don't know if we're quite to park the car yet, but we're really close to park the car and put them in Xfinity cars for the rest of the season if we're up, up against that much of a safety concern combined with mechanical failures that we've had. This shouldn't be the story coming up to, to the last half of the playoffs, but it's the primary story right now, and something has got to be done at this point. Okay. Andy? Yeah, I mean, obviously the last couple of weeks have been, been very tough with um, various failures, and, and I think, um, you know, having watched the race today, I mean, this race reminded me of the Brickyard back in 08. I mean, it was just – um, constant tire failures, and, and it's really unfortunate to see that. Um, just, uh, man, just so many growing pains this year. I think when you 
you know, consider it's a completely brand new race car and, you know, a, really a whole new tire design by Goodyear. And, and honestly, the tires haven't been horrific this year, but, you know, Texas was an example of one they got wrong, you know, and so that's something they'll have to learn from. I think Mike brings up a pretty solid point about maybe we do need to see these teams get back to, you know, the practice that we used to see where they would run a Friday practice and, or maybe you extend that time on Saturday where it's still a two day show, but, you know, maybe more on track time would be beneficial so that they can learn and and maybe, you know, they would be able to figure out that, Hey, we got an issue with these tires, you know, and, and maybe they could make an emergency decision to switch the tire compound or something before the race. I don't know. Just a thought, but you know, I, I think that with it being a new car, one of the downfalls this season has been, um, you know, lack of significant practice time. I think the more on-track activity they can get, the better to learn not just about the car, but about what the tires do, um, you know, what the car is going to do. I mean, really this year has been a a learning season. And one of the troubling things, and I think for me it really hit home watching the Cody Ware accident. That was frightening. Uh, That was one of the most vicious, one of the most vicious hits that I've seen in a very long time and to see him struggle to get out of that car in what was to me obvious pain to me that's the that's the last straw something has to change here because we've heard all season long from drivers that that's the hardest hit i've ever taken that's the hardest hit i've ever taken this is the worst i felt after an accident we've had a driver that was taken out due to injury a head injury in an accident that quite frankly didn't look that bad alex bowman for example was in an accident in which he continued in the race and said it was the hardest he'd ever hit chase elliott got out of a burning car yesterday and said i just hope nobody gets hurt when drivers are repeatedly saying over and over again that this is not good that's when you have to have a change and i don't know if we're expecting a death before we do something about it, but something has to change. And I'm not trying to bash anyone in particular here, but I think that it's time for something to change. And what that is, like Mike said, I don't have a solution. I'm not smart enough to come up with one, but it's just, it's troubling to me. And that's why I'm I'm kind of vocal about it right now, because when you see a driver like Cody Ware get out in obvious pain and discomfort, you know, and who knows what his injuries are, no one's really said anything that's troubling. That is extremely troubling. And, and I think that, you know, you know, I, I honestly believe that, you know, they can get this car right. They can continue to work on it and make it better. I would like to see more data. I think Mike or somebody touched upon the fact that maybe access for the public and the media to know exactly what the crash tests are and what the, what all the numbers say would be beneficial to learn for everybody to know what this car has gone through what the drivers experience when they go through a crash on, you know, I, to me, if I'm going to just narrow this down to one thing, this car has a much greater effect on the driver's health than the old race car. And that's unfortunate that a new car is apparently worse than the old car. So um, I think they can make it better. I think there's room for improvement. I think when we get to the off season, because I think that, it's it's probably too difficult to make serious changes during the course of the year. But when we get to the off season, you know, hopefully they can take a good hard look at this thing, spend a month or a month and a half to really make some changes and, and put those in place for next year, because driver's health and safety really shouldn't be 
in a negative spotlight all the time, and yet that's what this 2022 season has developed into. Okay. Um, I agree with you guys that this is a serious situation. It's something that they need to look at, and nobody, nobody wants somebody to die before they do something. To, to even say that just kind of frustrates me a little bit because, and I'm not trying to take any hits at anybody, Andy. I'm, I'm really not, or, and, and I've heard it from others as well. Nobody wants somebody to die before they're going to do something. It's just not in anybody's DNA. Um, so NASCAR is taking this very seriously. The drivers and the teams need to take this very seriously and work together to come up with a solution. I like the idea of the practices. I think that that's a longer practice session to maybe identify some of these things. But nothing is going to test those tires like actual race conditions. Um, having the longer practice session is going to be helpful because they're going to be, uh, you know, trying different things. But when I listened to Scott Miller and the post-race interview that he did with the media, um one of the things he said reminds me of what Tyler Reddick has gone through this entire year, going from the very first race to where he was yesterday. And one thing that to kind of put this in perspective for me was there were more drivers that didn't have the problem than drivers that did have the problem with tires. One of the things that Scott Miller said in his interview is that they talked to the uh, drivers, uh, especially the top four drivers, he said that they had talked to, had all used a conservative setup on their car. They didn't have the issues with the tires, and Tyler Reddick actually won the race. If you go back to uh, the short track race, the clash at the Coliseum, Tyler Reddick was one of the first drivers that were out. He's an aggressive driver. He he probably has an aggressive setup in his car. And uh, I think they learned uh, from that experience and maybe a couple of other experiences that they've had throughout the season. They went conservative at Texas. And they have, they put a conservative setup in that car. Scott Miller said, at looking at it from that perspective, the drivers that went conservative with the setup, the teams that went conservative with their setup, are the teams that did not have the problems. The drivers that went aggressive with their setup are the drivers that had the tire issues. So they're going to look at that further and make that determination. Uh, as a final, as an official determination, this week, and I, I can't wait for that to come out. Tyler Reddick, I think, has learned from the experiences that he's had throughout the season. He's made the appropriate changes, and he ended up winning that race yesterday. Um, I, I just think that we've had issues with tires before and PSI is usually what comes back as part of the problem. NASCAR and Goodyear gives a recommended PSI to the drivers every single race. And I think what's happened is that a lot of these drivers, uh, some of the veteran drivers, some of the newer drivers, 
everybody. There's a lot of pressure in these playoffs, and they're looking for every competitive advantage that they can get. And Rodney Chozer says it in his little spiel that he goes into with things that he thinks that can be done to make it better. Um, and the, the lower tire pressure gives them more downforce, and that's what they that's why they're using that lower tire pressure. But Another factor I think that plays into this is the compound that was on the track and the heat of the day at Texas. There are so many variables that go into this. The heat uh, uh, that they were dealing with at Texas Motor Speedway, one of the hottest races they've had all year long, and the, and the uh, traction that they were using, that track was still very, very slick, <laughs> and that put it that put an extra load on those tires. So I think that was a factor that played into this weekend. Um, and, and that's what makes this so unique. Uh, and, and they've said this all year long. There are so many variables that they have to look at with each and every race and each and every situation in order to determine what happened and what went wrong and what they can do to fix it. But I do think PSI is one of, and a very easy thing that teams can do. It's probably the easiest thing that they can do to make it a little bit better for themselves when it comes to the tire wear is not mess around with that PSI. Yeah, they're looking for that lower downforce, but you have to be there at the end of the race to win it. If you're out of the race because you get a flat tire and you wreck your car, you're not there to go after that win. So the risk versus reward, right now they're getting the risk side of that. They're not getting the reward side of that. And I think a lot of these teams need to look at that very, very closely. Um, but I, th- I do think that the heat and the traction, the traction compound that they used was not very effective last this year at texas because of the heat and it was very very slippery in the in those corners and those guys were slipping and sliding all all over the place so um i think that needs to be looked at as well so uh that's uh part of what i have to say so we'll go another go around here and give jay a chance jay your thoughts well, I know they always talk about Larry McReynolds has his uh, book of notes, and I feel like, Sharon, you just took my book of notes because uh, <laughs> I don't think there was one point there that you made that wasn't on what I would have said. I know it's been compared to back of the, what was it, 2008 Brickyard. I was mm-hmm. at that race. Every single car had that problem. That was a tire problem. There wasn't one car that didn't suffer through that. That's not the case here. Uh, Sharon hit, a, hit on it, the lower tire pressure, and they know that. They are choosing to do that. So some of that has to fall on the teams, and if you're the driver that's taking this hit, I would be going to my team and saying, hey, don't do that. Don't put me in that position. She mentioned Tyler Reddick, uh, one of the most aggressive drivers, has learned that's not going to work with this new car. Adapt to the new car. This is what we're driving. We have to adapt to it. Understand, uh, Mike mentioned, I think it was, the shock. Something in that is changing 
the way the car handles, and that's how these teams are trying to counter it with the air pressure. Okay, that's not working. Find something else. And I want to look at uh, something I know Mike and Andy hopefully aren't super familiar with, had to go through, but with, with uh, aircraft, you have what's called an aircraft investigation uh, board and then a safety review board. A safety review board doesn't care whose fault it is. They want to know what happened, how they can prevent it, and fix it. Uh, for the accident review, you want to have a lawyer. You don't say nothing without your lawyer because they're looking to put blame and take somebody down for accountability. Okay? That's not going to fix the problem, though. The teams, NASCAR, the drivers, all of them need to do where they're looking at it and finding the problem and what can be done to fix it. I do think they need to seriously look at maybe some more practice time. That got mentioned by everybody, I think. I think that is a good step. And, again, I'm reiterating everything Sharon hit on. The, uh, so many factors this weekend, the compound that they were using and the heat. It was, they said, the hottest race at Texas uh, that they've ever run. So all these factors led to this storm. Now, can there be little things that they can find to improve it? Absolutely. And I think they will, and I think that is a priority to them. Uh, I don't think that's not on anybody's priority list. Yeah, and I think everybody wants a solution here. So um, nobody finds this satisfactory. So, Mike, your thoughts? Well, a couple things to to hit on here. First, I don't want anyone to get the impression that I think that I or anybody else wants a driver to be seriously injured or killed. I don't think that's the case at all. My concern is it feels like there's almost a collective, we're holding our breath and crossing our fingers and hoping this doesn't happen before the end of the season when we can look at that car and, and make some changes to it. And that's a big concern. The, we shouldn't have to have an instance every single week where they need to trot Scott Miller out on Sirius XM or oh, uh, one Mike, of the I NBC got shows. I'm so sorry. Oh, go for it. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, we are at the time of the night that I do do an, uh, an announcement to all of our first-time listeners to let you know that we are going to go off the air at 10.30 p.m., uh, tonight, uh, and that's Eastern Time. Now, even though we go off the air, we do continue to record our conversation beyond that time, and it's part of our bonus overtime material that's available on our podcast. So what will happen is I will go out on Twitter and Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available, and at that point you can come to the player over at fanforacing.com and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation. Uh, and uh, you'll be able to hear that bonus overtime material. Uh, again, we don't want anybody to be caught off guard. That's why we do the announcement. And, uh, Michael, you can go right back to it, and let's hear the rest of your thoughts. Sure. And what I was saying is I don't think that it's a good solution that it seems like every week they've got to trot Scott Miller out for damage control, whether it's on SiriusXM or NBC or wherever he's out there speaking. He shouldn't be out there having to make, I don't want to use the word excuses, but explanations, rationalizations, that shouldn't be the topic of discussion on a Monday after a race. The topic of discussion should be the racing on the track and the results of the race as dictated by how well the teams were prepared, how well the drivers drove the cars. That should be the topic of discussion, especially during the playoffs, not mechanical issues with the car or the tires or anything else that's going on with the car. 
And the fact that that's the big topic of discussion is a big concern. Um, with regard to the car, I, I forget whether it was Jeff Burton or Steve Letard, or it may have been kind of a back and forth between them, but I think they had a really good point during yesterday's broadcast. Everyone wants to see a car that's difficult to drive, and by everyone's account, the Gen 7 car is much more difficult to drive than the previous generation cars. And that's not a bad thing. The bad thing is how unpredictable it is. And the issue with mechanical reliability making it unpredictable, it's taking it out of the driver's hands. A car that is hard to drive is good. That puts it in the hands of the driver who is able to get the very most out of their equipment because the reason that these drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series are considered to be the very best stock car drivers in the world is because they have that ability to find the very edge of control where the car is the absolute fastest, get the most performance out of that car, and do it better than their competitors. And when the car is completely unpredictable with random failures, that takes that ability away from the drivers. And forcing them to, take, to, to step their performance back isn't the solution either. And to try and say that well, it's just the team setup, or it's the way the drivers are driving the race cars. At best, that's a Band-Aid for the solution of the, the, the root problem, which is the design of the car. And I don't know what more we can do in the next six weeks, because that's how many races we have left in the season. But there's some serious concerns here, and it's more than just a couple little tweaks. And it's not just a, hey, don't run as low of an air pressure in the tires either, because we've taken away so many other things that teams can do to set their car up for their best, uh, their best chance of success. Air pressure is one of the few things they have left. So if you're, unless you're going to go a full IROC and issue them identically set up race cars, you've got to have some sort of way for teams to, to set the car up the way they want it. And air pressure is one of those things. Having the car have unpredictable failures, whether it be tires, the steering rack, any other than mechanical issues that we've seen with the car this year, that takes it out of the team's hands. It takes it out of the driver's hands. And it really makes it, – it's less of a competition than it is just a survival contest. And at least for me as a race fan, that's not entertaining racing. That's just watching chaos unfold. And a little chaos every once in a while is okay. Like the junk food of racing that is super speedway racing, that's okay in small doses. But when every single race is out of the driver's hands and is chaos – that's not a good thing, and it's not a good look for a sport that's trying to present itself as a serious, world-class, elite motorsports competition. I, I don't know. I'm on a soapbox here, but I, I, I hope it gets better. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay, Andy? And I guess, you know, my follow-up would be, um, I, I think, you know, I'll reiterate what I said earlier, too. Like, to, the Cody Ware accident, to me, just to, to see him, you know, get out of the car in pain, I mean, it just... Yeah. And, and I'm not even really talking about tires per se that, you know, it may very well be that aggressive setups led to some of those tire failures. But I think it's, for me, it's a trend. And I don't think this can be disputed at all is the trend of drivers experiencing harder impacts this year versus the past, which tells me that work needs to be done to this race car. So that's, that's what got me a bit fired up, and, and understandably so, because I don't like seeing any driver get hurt or in pain after a wreck. And it's inevitable that we're going to have hard impacts. That's that's the risk involved in racing, and that's understood. Um, and maybe we were lulled into into thinking that it was, you know, incredibly safe with the old car because the old car was really extremely safe. Look at Ryan Newman able to walk away from that wreck a couple of years ago. Um, 
all I, I think all I can really reiterate is that this car needs some work. And I think it's okay to say that. I think that NASCAR would probably admit that. The teams and drivers would probably admit that. It seems that it's just extremely rigid and not as forgiving as the old car. They talk about it all the time on the broadcast, how, you know, a driver will take a severe impact and the car looks, you know, pretty well intact. And in in the case of Alex Bowman, Jeff Burton said it, that car would have been destroyed if it was the old car because it had a lot more give to it. The car was so rigid that he took a big impact and was able to continue. That's a good and bad thing because if the car is more rigid, that means that other parts are going to take more of the impact, exhibit A, the driver. And I think that's where maybe some tweaking can be done. You know, I'm not trying to to point fingers in anybody here. This is a brand new car. And with a brand new car or any brand new anything, there's going to be growing pains. But I I think it's it's safe to say we can't sit here and say that this car is 100% safe. We've seen far too many close calls this year to say that the work is done. And I think that, you know, learning through all the data that's been accumulated this season and driver feedback and whatever, whatever information they can obtain, they can work on making the safety aspect of things better. It is, it is I, I, without a doubt, it is NASCAR's goal that nobody gets hurt or injured. I know that and believe that 110% that their goal is to put on safe races each and every week. But to me, it just, it really hit home seeing that the 51 wreck yesterday and we have to go back and look at Kurt Busch and, and, you know, all these other drivers that have had some pretty tough impacts this year. And I think we have to say that maybe a little bit more work needs to be done. And that's, and that's an important thing because we want to see, you know, less and less injuries and, and have that be less and less of a conversation moving forward. But again, the car is brand new. You know, I'm sure they've learned a lot this season that they can apply and make things better. And I, and I know that's the sport's goal. They're always trying to do the right thing, and I know they'll do that. But I just, I think for me, the level of concern is somewhat high based on some of the impacts and some of the driver comments we've seen throughout the course of the season. Yeah, I would agree. I think that everybody is concerned about the, some of the drivers' um uh, injuries that have happened this season. Uh, we've not seen those kind of injuries happen before. We don't like seeing those kind of injuries happen. And we don't want to see drivers hurt when they're driving in these cars. But here's the thing. We started the season with NASCAR saying this is a work in progress. We know this car is not perfect. We are going to be working on it throughout the year. And we're working with the teams, we're working with the manufacturers, we're working with Goodyear, we're working with everybody within the industry to make the decisions about these cars. Uh, And I know, Andy, you haven't been here, but we brought this up before. The teams have been part of the decisions that have been made about these cars. The teams are still part of the decision about cars next. So Rodney Childers needs to take that information And instead of posting it on Twitter, he needs to take it to NASCAR and sit down with NASCAR and say, here's some ideas on what I think can be done better. Posting it to me, I can't do anything about it. (laughs) 
you can't do anything about it. Mike can't do anything about it. Jay can't do anything about it. He needs to take that information to NASCAR. He can't count on NASCAR reading his tweet on Twitter. He needs to take it to them. Um, I talked earlier about what Tyler Reddick has learned and how he's adapted to what he's learned this season to make it better so that he doesn't keep making the same mistake over and over again. And and that's what everybody in the sport, yeah, one of the last things that they can mess around with is the PSI on the tire. But if Goodyear is telling you this is the recommended PSI and you make the decision that you're going to work outside of that recommended PSI, Who's at fault? Is it Goodyear? Is it NASCAR? No. The team made that decision. <laughs> so the accountability lies on that team. Our, I think we need to remember, too, why NASCAR went to the next-gen car. NASCAR went to the next-gen car to create the parity so that we could see 19 different drivers win in a season so that we could see drivers that we don't have one driver that's dominating the season. That's what the fans said that they wanted to see. Well, we have that now. Um, the more we get to know this car, I think the less likely that's going to be. But we have that parity right now. Um, the other thing is Mike said something about uh, – uh, teams want the setup in their hands. Well, they have the setup in their hands. So if, again, I say if, if you're given a recommended PSI, why not use the recommended PSI? Uh, things are unpredictable this year. We knew that things were going to be unpredictable. I don't know anybody who had the crystal ball that told them that Texas Motor Speedway was going to have the hottest day of the year for the NASCAR season, and that that traction compound was not going to work. No, nobody has that crystal ball. Every season has some unpredictability to it. Um, it's not just this season. Uh, random failures, the reason they're random this year is because this is a brand-new car. We expected random failures. We expected some of this was going to happen. Um, I don't think anybody expected the, the injuries that we're talking about. But, again, these drivers, instead of talking about it to the, in the media or talking about it, they need to take it to NASCAR. They need to make sure that – and I know NASCAR is aware of those injuries. They, they don't want to see those drivers have those kinds of injuries. But what can they do to fix it? The drivers have some input that they could give to that. The crew chiefs have some input that they can give to that. Uh, and they need to give that input to NASCAR. Uh, and I know the engineers are looking at that, and they're trying to do everything they can. Like Andy said, there's a certain amount of confidence that NASCAR is looking at that. They tell us that they're looking at it every single week. And the reason that Scott Miller is out there every single week is because they're more or less testing a new car this season with this next-gen car. 
was it feasible for them to test it at every single racetrack before they introduced it? I'm guessing that probably wasn't a feasible thing for them to do. That's why they didn't do it. So they're doing it during the season. Everybody knew that from the beginning. We were told that at the very beginning of this season. It should be no surprise. One of the questions that Pete Pistoni brought up is why is this happening now uh, to this degree when it didn't happen to the same degree throughout the season? And it's the variables that happen. It's, it's so many different things that happen throughout the season that make this a very unique year. It's not like every other year that we've had to deal with. Um, and nobody had that crystal ball to know what kind of failures were going to happen, what kind of weather they were going to be dealing with. Uh, you know, none of that was known. Um, so it, it's it's just I, I don't know how to make it any more clear. Nobody's happy about the injuries. Everybody wants to fix the drivers and the teams, and everybody in the industry needs to take it and sit at the table and come up, help come up with the solution rather than trying to find blame. And and that's what frustrates me. NASCAR takes a lot of the blame. But these guys are a part of a team, they're a part of an organization, and everybody needs to be involved in coming up with that solution. Nobody wants to see the drivers hurt, and I agree that that crash with Cody Ware was scary. We've seen a lot of scary wrecks, and not just this year. We've seen a lot of scary wrecks that have happened before this year. That happens every season. This is not unique. And and what happened to Cody Ware, I suspect that that, if that wasn't a tire issue, I think there might have been something else going on with that that situation. What it is, I don't know, but I know that they're looking at it and they're going to come up with a solution. I am confident that NASCAR and these teams will work together, but it is the teams working together with NASCAR to come up with those solutions. Um, And uh, I don't know. There was something that Mike said, and I said, how do you know that? You really don't know some of these things. Um, we, We think we know but we really don't know. We've got to we've got to do the investigation. We've got to say, look at the situations, and those solutions will come. And I think next year, hopefully, we'll have that better car, and uh, a lot of these troubles will be fixed. But it's never a perfect situation, and it it, it was never a perfect situation before this year. And it's never going to be a perfect situation after this year. So it's just the, the, the unknown variables that we always deal with. And drivers are not perfect either. So teams are not perfect. There's a lot of human element in all of this as well. So, um, Jay, you're next. Well, you hit on the key things, uh, in my opinion, like I said, of we are absolutely thinking alike. Um, sitting down, I think it was Brad Keselowski, you mentioned this last week when we had this conversation that said, if we go into 2023 
without changing the car, without improving it, without making some of these adjustments, then we're failing. Uh, right now, we're learning and improving. And that's never going to stop. Uh, at least I would hope not, because you're never going to achieve perfection, so you're never going to stop. Uh, the only thing I can add here, as we've talked about this specifically of Texas, can Texas be run with this new car and finish a race? Well, let's talk to Tyler Reddick and the RCR number 18. How about Joey Logano in the number 22 Ford for Penske? Mm -hmm. Justin Haley, the number 31 in the Spire Motorsports. And I'm going down the list of how they finished. There were teams that managed to finish the race and not have these problems or be able to work through them. I know Tyler Reddick did have some issues. He felt the vibration. He came in. I heard on the radio today, they used up every allotment of tires they had. Some of the teams chose not to do that. They chose to go with no tires or whatever. So, again, there are things they can do to change that, and other teams it's didn't, their and hands. we saw that. Exactly. So it is, and it's not just the driver's hands. It's in the team's hand. It is a team sport. Driver gets the credit. I understand that, but it is a team sport. We've talked about that with the pit crews. So there are a lot of factors and different ways it can be handled. Uh, did Justin Haley have the fastest car at Texas? No, but he didn't have a tire problem and finished third. So what does that tell you? Maybe lower in the air pressure to have the absolute maximum fastest speed for one or two laps isn't the answer. I mean, that's their, their strategy to it in many different ways, and that's one of them. Not have the fastest car, but not blow a tire. So there are ways it can be handled, and I think these some of these drivers and teams aren't wanting to adjust to that. They want NASCAR to adjust the car back to them, which is what NASCAR tried to do. Okay. Um, is that it? Yeah, that was it. That was it for me. Okay. Uh, and uh, let's see. We have a couple minutes here. Is there, uh, Mike, a topic you wanted to make sure we talked about? Well, I heard you and Shell talking about it a little bit before we started this segment, but uh, I think we should probably chew on the Joey, not Joey, uh, uh, the William Byron versus Denny Hamlin, as well as the Ty Gibbs versus Ty Dillon incidents this yeah. past weekend. And what, if anything, should be done? Okay, Andy, are you familiar with both of those situations? Yeah, I, I watched the race today, so um, unfortunately, saw both of those things happen. Um, I think what I think what Ty Gil, or Ty Gibbs did uh, was incredibly unsafe when you consider. Um, yeah. The fact that, you know, he almost shoved Ty Gillen into pit crew members. So that 100% deserves a penalty. He, you know, obviously an up-and-coming talent that has a bright future in this sport, but he lets his temper get the best of him sometimes, and that was an example in which he really should be taught a lesson, and I'm not sure what that needs to be, but, you know, whether he gets parked for a race or something, points aren't going to mean anything to him because he's not really running for anything um, but maybe sit him out for a race or two or, or something because that kind of behavior is unacceptable. Um, I'm going to be a little more lenient on William Byron from the standpoint of I, when he says that he was going to tap the 11 to send him a message, I do believe that. I don't think his intent was to turn him, although I've seen conflicting information online that from industry members, people that are you know privy to SMT data that say he – he gassed it up before he hit the 11. So if you believe that and 
then you would have to think that maybe it was intentional. But I, I don't know. He clearly was upset with the 11 after he got run into the fence and uh, or at least run up the racetrack. So I can understand the frustration there. Um, either way, you know, wrecking or turning somebody under caution and slamming into somebody on pit road can't happen. Um, you know, I think, unfortunately, these drivers just lose their tempers, and I'm going to, you know, say that the long race and, and all the hot temperatures and everything certainly don't help that cause at all. It's easy for one to get upset and frustrated. But um, I don't know. I mean, Ty Gibbs for sure needs to be penalized. Um I, I can't really recall the precedent. I know we've seen examples in the past. I think, you know, Kyle Busch and uh, Ron Hordaday um, in the truck race about 11 years ago was an example, um, and there may be others. Um, and, and in those cases, those drivers were parked. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. But, you know, certainly um, intentional incidents under caution really, really shouldn't be taking place. Okay, Jay. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do, if anything, NASCAR does post-race. I know they said that they missed it, uh, both of them in this case. The Denny Hamlin, William Byron one, I kind of understand. They said they were more concerned with Martin Truex and what initially brought out the caution and the response, uh, safety response to him. So, But also, in, I, I kind of, and I'm not in that booth of what they all got going on, how many people they got watching, eyes on everything, um, as far as missing them both, uh, I haven't watched the uh, Xfinity race from Saturday yet, so I heard about the incident. I haven't seen it or can make any comment on specifically that. But you're right, and especially under caution and on pit road or in the area where somebody else can be hurt is a very big a frowned upon thing. So I know I think it was Scott Miller uh, on this one. I'm not sure who made the statement that said, had they seen it during the race, they would have taken action. Well, you can still take action. And I go back to Noah Gregson's incident on the road course with uh, Sage Karam. That was uh, after the race that the next week they penalized him in points going into that. So that is on the table, and I think they do need to look at it. The one thing I don't agree with is Denny Hamlin. Uh, I understand his wasn't in during caution, but he spent an entire race trying to bully and push around and get even with Ross Chastain. Uh, He wasn't even racing anymore. He was going out there to try and derail Ross Chastain. And when he was warned by NASCAR, he laughed at him. So uh, I don't know if he's the one to be the poster child for uh, payback. Um, But, again, this was a little bit different. It was under caution. And I know that is normally certainly a different set of rules when you look at it. Yeah, I'm glad NASCAR's making this call and not me because it's going to be a tough call. Uh, I know um, uh, it's not a tough call when it comes to uh, a penalty under caution. But uh, the other thing that they've got to look at is how many times Denny Hamlin came back at him throughout the race, and they were pushing each other back and forth during the race. Um, So... That does build up. I'm not saying that William Bryan is is faultless. He deserves to be penalized for what he did on pit road. But I think Denny Hamlin did not uh, uh, put any water on the situation. I think he added uh, more coals to the fire. Uh, And I think at some point 
I said, I wish somebody would sit Denny, Denny Hamlin down and kind of teach him how to do that instead of uh, adding more fuel to the fire because he tends to do that versus trying to diffuse the situation. He tends to try to elevate the situation. So uh, I, I don't think he helps the situation at all. Um, Ty Gibbs, I totally agree with you. That, to me, was very scary to watch as well because when he pushed Ty Gibbs' car, there were crew members working on a car, and they could have very easily have been hurt uh, in that situation. Uh, so his penalty may need to be different because of the fact that he's not racing for a championship, and and I agree with that. Uh, but he he needs to be maybe parked for for that kind of situation. I think any time a car is used as a weapon on the track, it's a serious situation that needs to be addressed. But I think Denny Hamlin is just as guilty of that during that race. I don't know who appointed him as the. Uh, uh, arbiter of situations on the track, but have you noticed that Denny Hamlin seems to always be involved in these situations that are happening on the track? I don't think that that is a coincidence, um, and I do think that uh, he's probably giving as much as he's getting, and uh, that's why he's getting some of this is because he's given an awful lot of it. So. I do think that NASCAR's got a tough decision to make here. I could see it going either way, and I said that earlier. They may decide that these guys have taken care of it among themselves, uh, but I do think they have to do something more with Ty Gibbs doing that under caution. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do do. Now, Sal brought up the situation on Pitt Road, he said he reminded me that when Noah Gregson had that incident where he backed up into the other car, uh, I don't know if that was a year or two years ago, uh, there was not a penalty that was issued for that. Um, and he seems to think there might not be a penalty issued to, in this situation but um, because there were crew members that could have been hurt in that situation as well. So... I don't know what they're going to do. I think it's going to be an interesting scenario. And like I said, to start this out, I'm glad I'm not happened to make this decision. NASCAR's got a tough one on their hands with this. But it, something has to be done. Mike? Jen, you used a key phrase there, using your car as a weapon. That's completely yeah. unexcusable. We just spent the past 30 minutes talking about the safety concerns with this car, mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden you have drivers who are deciding they're going to intentionally cause wrecks. And yep. it's, one thing, it's one thing to run a guy hard under green. Example, Denny Hamlin running Ross Chastain up the track and into the wall at Pocono under green. Not the best situation, but if you're going to handle a beef with a driver, racing him a little bit hard, don't leave him room, run him into the fence, I don't know if I want to say that's acceptable, but it's more acceptable than running into a driver under caution, especially in a race like Texas where we talked about record high temperatures. The drivers are extremely hot. They're tired. 
under caution, it's reasonable to expect they're going to loosen those belts. They're going to have their hands off the wheel, taking a drink of water. They're not going to be on guard for an impact and an incident, and there's a very high likelihood that they could get hurt. And even worse, like you said, is on pit road where you have people who don't even have a helmet on who are around cars, and now you're deciding you're going to use your car as a weapon on pit road around other cars? Absolutely unacceptable. There's no situation where it's even remotely acceptable. NASCAR has not sent a clear enough message, apparently, because it keeps happening, that using your car as a weapon is unacceptable. And they need to start sending that message louder, clearer, more frequently, and more harshly until drivers get the, the idea in their heads that they cannot use their car as a weapon, no matter how badly they feel like they were wronged, how much they feel like somebody cut them off or didn't, didn't give them room or raced them too hard or whatever their, their concern is, you do not use your car as a weapon, especially not under yellow, and double especially not on pit road after the race when there are people around the other race cars who don't have the protection around them that drivers inside of race cars have. Completely unacceptable, and I hope NASCAR drops the hammer at them. Throw the whole book at them, hit them with every single page. Okay, Andy. I agree. It is unacceptable. Andy. Yeah, I'm glad that NASCAR's, you know, said they're going to go back and look at both those incidents. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think the pit road incident is quite a bit more severe than the on-track incident, but they both probably should be looked at, and, and I guess we'll see what happens. But, yeah, interesting week, obviously, an eventful race at Texas, and, you know, I would have to believe that penalties may be forthcoming, and, it, oh, by the way, Talladega's this weekend. So uh, certainly a crazy <laughs> couple weeks in the sport, that's for sure. Okay, Jay? Well, I think we're all in agreement that it does need to be addressed, um, you know, depending on uh, whether or not you think they ought to be hit with the entire uh, book, as Mike said, with every page. That's kind of funny. Um, but it does, that message does need to go out, um, and we've seen it in the past. A monetary fine doesn't necessarily cut it, especially now where all three series are in the playoffs. You start talking about points, it matters big time. So I think that is, if they're going to look at it and make a statement and make it hurt, that's where it's going to come from. If if it were me and I were having to make that call, um, it's, it's going to come in points. It's not going to be dollars. It's going to be points. Well, one thing that was going through my mind is park them for the start of the race. Maybe they don't start the race for two laps or something. Maybe they can't start the race until three laps in. Uh, but park them. Don't let them don't let them that race at the same place that everybody else started the race because um, they need to have a severe penalty. And I do agree with that. Anytime uh, something like that happens, it's just that. And I brought up the Noah Gregson situation because they didn't give the penalty then. They should have, I think, they should have definitely given the penalty then, but they did not. So I, I just worry about whether or not they will give the penalty. I hope they do throw the book at them. Like Mike said, they deserve it because you should never, ever use your car as a weapon. And uh, uh, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, I, I just I just think that, again, I, I worry about Denny Hamlin not helping this situation but adding fuel to the fire instead of trying to, to quench it. So I, I think at some point, at the very least, we need to maybe give him some kind of training in how to deal with these situations in a different way as well. So 
Mike? I know we're short on time, so I'll keep it short. Hopefully we're talking about this again on Thursday, and hopefully it's in the context of big penalties for all the drivers who are involved in this. You're right about Denny Hamlin being a common denominator on it, but to his credit, maybe I'm forgetting an incident, Denny Hamlin definitely will retaliate against drivers on the racetrack, but I can't think of an incident where Denny Hamlin intentionally wrecked somebody under caution, and I don't think that I've ever seen Denny Hamlin intentionally run into somebody on pit road for retaliation for something that happened on the racetrack. Definitely a common denominator there, but I think the the, the more critical issues right now revolve around William Byron and Ty Gibbs. Both of those drivers, like you said, park them for a portion of the race, park them for for their coming weekend. Just because they didn't get issued a penalty during the race itself when the incident happened, it doesn't, or at least it shouldn't mean that they're immune from further review and penalties later on in the week because, like NASCAR said, they missed it happen on the racetrack. Just because they missed it on the track does not mean that that behavior is acceptable, and that clear message needs to be sent that you can't just do it and hope you get away with it. You won't get away with it, and you will be penalized, whether it's during the race when it happens or during the week going into the next race. You need to have those penalties, and they need to be severe to the point where they are a deterrent to keep drivers from doing this. The only other thing I have, I have a question real quick. Probation for the rest of the year as well, where they're being watched. Go ahead, Jay. Whose car was it that went nose-to-nose with uh, Alex Bowman post-race victory celebration when you know those drivers are unbuckled and celebrating? Oh, yeah. I believe Ooh, that was the point. number 11 of Denny Hamlin. You're yeah, there you go. I forgot right. about that one. And there was no penalty there either. And there should exactly. have been. So I, I, that's the part that worries me, is that there has been precedence here where NASCAR has not given penalties. It worries me that they might not hear, but I hope that they do throw the book at them. I hope they do sit them down and don't let them race for whatever period it is. I hope, I hope they're part. Thank you, uh, everybody. Uh, we are at the end of our show here tonight. We'll go ahead and do our roundtable. Andy, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, first off, uh, Jay, that's a good expl- or a good example there. I'd forgotten that one, too. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an f- interesting week for sure. But um, uh, CB14 fan on Twitter, and uh, I know it's been a little bit, so nice to, um, nice to be back and looking forward to uh, – I should be on Thursday. I'm off Thursday, Friday, so I'll plan to be on Yay! Thursday night. It's good to have you back, Andy. Jay. Yeah, absolutely. Always uh, always nice to have the entire group here, most certainly. So I guess it's a square table, round table, triangle. I know we've had them all. So. But uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I want to be clear about something. Just because Denny Hamlin wasn't penalized, I'm not saying this time they shouldn't be either because Denny Hamlin wasn't. I just think Hamlin needs to watch what he calls for because it could come back yeah. on him when it's deserved as well. Okay, Mike. It's going to be Mike underscore is on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. It is great to talk to everybody. I should be available on Thursday, so I look forward to having a conversation again. Okay. Uh, and I am Banfor Racing site on Twitter, Banfor Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including BanforRacing.com where we have our Banfor Racing radio player. 
Um, I uh, really enjoy the conversation uh, with our fan for racing crew. So thank you to everybody, Andy, Jay, Mike, uh, and uh, uh, Sal, who was on earlier. We had an opportunity to kind of talk about some of these hot topics as well. And um, I do think that uh, uh, we appreciate all of our listeners that tune in to our show as well. So thank you for taking the time to do that. We appreciate each and every one of you. And we've got uh, the preview show coming up for this Thursday night. And it's it's great to hear that both Mike and Andy are going to be available for that show as well. So uh, we should have the four of us back on Thursday night for a hot topic and and the uh, we'll know the results of the penalties or no penalties, and uh, we'll have that to talk about as well, and any other news that comes up this week. So uh, with that, guys, I get, think we're ready to call it a night, unless there's anything more that you guys want to add. Have a good night. Yep, good night, talk everybody. Uh, talk to you Thursday. Good night, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.